talk. I got to tell what I feel. I got to talk about my life as I see it. Biggie. Everybody to the KIRP radio show. I'm your host, Pudgy Man. Same time, same place. You guys know what it is. Welcome to another Sunday, this 428, 2013. April is May is around the corner, and today in North Carolina, 
We have nothing but April showers, and it is definitely going down out there, just really getting back home and, uh, you know, spend some time with the La Familia today, my extended family out there. Shout out to Buck, man, for having us over for dinner. You know, it was beautiful. Everybody got together and went over there, ate up all his food, and, man, that Butterfinger cake has got me laid out. I don't know if y'all know what that is, and if you don't know, you need to know. Butterfinger cake is real. Benito, what's up? Appreciate that. Anyway, shout out to everybody out there, man. To all the new listeners out there, we're over the over the mark of uh, 10 million listeners out there. And uh, this has been, you know, I guess we could get around, wish we could get a round of applause for that, but we can't right now because of the uh, technical difficulties that we face with the show. But it is what it is, man, moving along. But, you know, shout out to everybody out there who are doing what they do to solidify their own future. B.I.G. shout out to everybody out there who are doing what they do to solidify their own future. It's one thing that I always hear uh, Christians say, and, and I love you. I love you all, my, my beautiful Christians. I love you guys. I am one of you, ch- children of God, believers of Christ. But it's one thing that I always hear my uh, fellow Christians say, and uh, I always wish to, not to antagonize people, but sometimes I just want to ask, what do you mean by that? You know, because people will take their scripture or their scriptures and use them for whatever they see fit or however however they see fit, you know, to whatever benefits them most, um, usually at that given time. And, and I, I'm guilty of it, too. It is what it is. It's just the truth. But one thing that bothers me, and it, and it seems like, I don't know if it's tradition, I don't know if people so uh, uh, comfortable saying it or just used to saying it or, or what what may have you. I don't know. But uh, I always hear that 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 uh, familiar phrase. You, know, you could you could talk to somebody about something and they'll say, uh, well, you know what? You better wait on God." <laughs> or they, you know they'll say, "Hey, you know, hey, man, I need to get up and go to the store and get some juice." Well, you better wait on God. You know. And uh, oh, I need to get up and find me a job. Hey, hey, you better wait up. You better get up and you better wait on God to, you know, send you that right job. Or I need to do my resume. Oh, hey, you better wait on God to do that resume. You know, I need to go pee. Hey, you better wait on God to help you pee. You know, it's crazy. I mean, there's a, it's a lot of people out there saying they need to wait on God for things. And um, I just wanted to share that I don't, I don't personally think that God is that petty. Okay, and I know a lot of people got the Scooby-Doo face on, huh? you know, I know a lot of folks are like, huh, what are you talking about? You better wait on God, boy. Listen, I, I hear y'all, like, I, I get it. I definitely get it. But, you know, personally, for me, like, I, I just sharing with you guys, all right, you can, you can believe it or not, you know, that's, that's totally up to you. But I think that, uh, I think God gives us what we need already. Like I, I think what I think God has already done I think God has done it all, frankly. And um I think the format is laid out. The highways are there, the roads are there, it's just up to us to travel on them. And um I don't think our God is a tempting God. Like I, I don't think God put things before us that is uh tempting in the in the in the negative way. I think there are things out there that are that are before us that allows us to go hard and things that are out there that makes us want to work hard and 
you know, uh, things that make us want to uh, be happy that we achieved that. And uh, I, but frankly, I, I'm I'm not the one that that says, you know, you need to wait on God to do things in the physical for the most part. Now I think that's a that's a mentality. I, I think that I think that what people are really saying, or or what people should be saying, or what they should be understanding is that you know you should pray and consult God for 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 understanding for uh, uh, spiritual guidance, um, not to wake you up in the morning and say, hey, you need to go fill out this application. Like we, in the physical, I, I think in, we get comfortable saying that we got to depend on God to do these things that we need to be doing in the physical all the time. And uh, I, I think as Christians, traditionally while speaking, um, you know, I, I think that we've gotten caught up in, the belief that, you know, God is supposed to do these things in the physical for us. He's supposed to lead us in the physical to these things. When we hold all that ability, you know, and, and, and if if you don't believe that, that means you have to discredit, you know, what, what the words in, you know, what God has said in Genesis, you know, the words that are written in Genesis for us, that, that everything in this land is, you know, meant for us, that he gives us authority over all things, that all things in the earth are created for us. That means it, we are the only, people need to understand this, like we're we're the only uh, 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 beings that are made in the image of God. Like you, you can't, you got to stop discrediting that. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to preach to anybody. Like I said before, I'm just, I'm just sharing with everybody that, you know, we have the power to do these very petty and sim simple things, all right? We have the power to achieve these things. We have the power to strive for these things on our own already because God's already done his part, okay? I'm, I'm not saying that God doesn't play into this, right? I'm not saying that because you have to, you have to, you have to understand and love God to have the mentality, the correct morality. So I, I get that, and, and I think that's a given for for us that are believers, granted, okay? For us that are believers in our heart and our soul and our mind, body, and soul, you know, for us, those things are given. But you got to put forth the effort, people. Like, you got to put forth the effort to get off your butt and go make something happen. Like, God's already did his part. He's already did all that he needs to do. If If God, you know what? If God went on vacation today... If God was like, you know what, I'm going down there to Myrtle Beach, and I'm chilling. Like, I ain't doing nothing else for y'all right now. You are, you're already blessed enough to go do what you need to do. And then you can wait on God if you want to. But if God chose not to do anything else for you for the remainder of your life, he's already done enough. He's already done enough. He gave us the blueprint on how to live what to eat, how to survive, how to treat each other, okay, how to think, how to speak, how to talk, how to act, how to achieve, how to feel, how to fellowship, how to pray. What else does God need to do for y'all, man? What else do you need God to do for you? You don't need God to do anything else for you. So that whole premise of you better wait on God, I think y'all need to wake up, shake yourself, go look in the mirror and, and wake up and believe the scripture that's there before you. Believe the words of God and stop believing the stuff that man is telling y'all. God's already paved the way. So now you got to get off, off your butt and go make something happen. 
Now you got to get off your butt and be creative and think of things. By the way, now you got to get off your butt and start treating people the way they needed to be treated, the way they deserve to be treated, the godly way. And it just gets me to wondering, you know, we, we got if, if we're true to what we say we believe, right, just kick. But if we're true to what we say we believe, right, and we really believe that with our mind, our bowl, our soul, our heart, if we really believe these things, that we're true to believe that we worship and pray and say that we believe and we walk our walk and we hold our head high and call ourselves children of God, if we really believe that, we would treat each other better. If we really believe that, despite what people think, despite if they're Muslim, despite if they're Shiites, despite if they're Buddhists, it doesn't matter. If you're true to who you say you are, if you're true to what God says you need to be, if you're true to being a child of God, you should be treating those people the same way you treat me, and deacon and pastor so-and-so. If you're true to who you say you are, let's not forget about the truth. Don't forget about the truth and who you say you are. I hear Christians out here talking about, you know, this, this bombing that happened in, in, in Boston. You know, I don't know who those guys were. For me, for the things that I believe and me being true to who I say I am and true to what I understand religion is and, and the Christianity religion, the belief of Jesus Christ, for, for me to be true to that, I didn't want to see those guys hunted down and gunned down and killed or hung before the town at high noon. I don't believe in that because God said, you take don't take upon my wrath. He said, his wrath is greater. That's when y'all need to be saying, you know what? We need to wait on God. Yo, you know what? You better wait on God. It ain't up to us to go out and hunt down to kill him. Who are you true to? What are you true to? What do you really believe? You know, if y'all really believe in God and you really believe in the things that you say, y'all better, man, listen, I'm not here to preach. Man. I'm just here to share. And this was on my heart to say because there are a lot of people out there that get ridiculed and criticized because they go hard every single day of their lives for what they believe in trying to make something of themselves, trying their best to make something of themselves, whether it be school or sports or what studies or business or whatever. And then when people are successful, you know what we do, us Christians, y'all know what we do. Yeah, because I'm on y'all today. I'm on us today. You know what we do? We criticize them. They don't spend enough time in church. They don't pay enough time. We find everything, every reason under the sun in the good book of God. We find every reason to say something negative about those people and those things that they do and what they're trying to achieve other than giving them encouragement. And I don't understand. Like, we don't start encouraging people unless there's something in it for us. That's crazy to me. Absolutely crazy. I'm telling y'all, I'm not trying to preach, I'm just sharing with y'all, but let me tell y'all, if I, if I got one jewel to drop on everybody, if I got one drill to drop on people and one thing to say to everybody out there that I, that I hope you can take away from this show tonight or, or from this uh, introduction tonight from me is that stop being so sluggish, as Proverbs can say, and stop being so dormant and lazy, as Pudgy can say, 
and get off your butt and be encouraged and go out there and do your thing, man. You make it happen. Shout out to everybody out there who are making it happen. You're listening to the KIRP radio show. Got Sonny Johnson on the air with me tonight. Also got Charlotte from Stretching Your Budget. Dot com coming on here in just one second. This segment of sports is brought to you. <laughs> sports. Thinking I'm still on the sports show. This segment of the KRP radio show is brought to you by SO. Services. The services that will save your behind anywhere you are. 15 miles, uh, it's 15 miles radius off the interstate on I-95, I-40, I-95, 85, excuse me, in Greensboro and Burlington, North Carolina. On from From airport to airport, if you have a problem, SOS will come get you and make sure that you're safe. Okay, a lot of people out there can't afford insurance. And a lot of people out there can't, can't afford tolling and dismemberment. This is the service for you, uh, coming to you real soon. It's going to be like $15 a month. This is all you people will have to pay. When you need some assistance, you just pick up the phone and say, hey, you know what? I'm broke down. Can you get me back started? Can you give me a jump? Can you bring me gas or whatever you need? SOS will get you guys on the road, and this segment was sponsored by SOS's Savior On-Road Services, coming to you soon. Right now, I'm going to bring on the line one of my best buds, and uh, she's one of my best buds because you know what? She holds us down, and her name is Charlotte, and she's from StretchingYourBudget.com. Charlotte, how are you this evening? Doing well. How are you? Huh? Hello. Good? Yeah, hey, what's up? Hey. <laughs> I don't know what happened just then, but uh, it, it sounded like you came in and sounded like a robot. It's probably on my end, though, because, you know, we still got these problems here. But anyway, Charlotte, how was your week? Haven't talked to you in uh, six days. It was very busy. Went by fast. My <laughs> week was busy, too, man. I'm, let me tell you. Charlotte, I went to an award show last night. It's called the Down East Awards. Oh, okay. Yeah, pretty cool. cool. Had a six, Did you get an a, award or you were just going for them? No, I, I was, Rashad and I, shout out to Rashad Woods, my brother, Love and Father Society, that's how we do it, B-I-G. And uh, Rashad and I went down to say a few words. We were going to, uh, I guess, announce the nominees for uh, the nonprofit awards, okay? And then we were going to talk about, you know, what the Love and Father Society does Kind of didn't work out that way, you know, kind of ran behind time. Things happened, but, you know, ultimately it was a beautiful award show. And uh, at the end, we got to address the crowd and kind of close the show out. And, you know, it's just another day at work, I guess. That's pretty cool, then. It was pretty cool. We got to dress up and everything. Oh, man, you look sharp. <laughs> no, I didn't dress up. You know, I don't do that. I just had on some jeans and a tie and a shirt and a sweater. <laughs> See, no soup this time, Sonny. What's up? Anyway, um, Charlotte, what you got for us this week? Well, I have to admit, I don't have a lot planned, mm-hmm. so we'll just talk about whatever you want me to talk about. <laughs> well, you know what? Let me bring uh, Sonny on here. That, that's always fine with me. I, I love to uh, ask you a couple of questions because I got some coupon problems. Sonny, are you on the air? What's up? What's up? What's up? How you doing, Charlotte? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good. How are you? Oh, you know I'm gonna speak to the lady first, don't you? Don't you even act like that. What's up, bro? <laughs> no, what's up, baby? But you know I had to greet you too. You're a woman, so I had to greet you too. You know, properly. You know. Oh, I feel you. I feel you. What's going on with you tonight? I'm feeling good, man. And 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 
I'm glad I got both you ladies on the air because both of you are go-getters. And um, I wanted to ask you a guy. I don't know if you guys heard the intro and, you know, how I yeah. brought the show in. And um, if you didn't hear it, you're going to have to wait on God and, and go back and, and, and wait for God and rewind. Before, let me stop. Anyway, I was talking about the whole term, like, you know how people say you need to wait on God. And mm-hmm. what does that mean to you, Charlotte, first? Let me ask you that. When you, have you ever heard someone say that, first of all? Yes, I have. Um, I agree with this statement, but I also agree with the, where you're going with it also. I did listen to the intro a little bit. But, um, I mean, for me, waiting on God is to learn to be patient and not just make decisions out of the flesh and what the flesh wants to do. Because a lot of times, you know, as humans, we, uh, you know, all fall and we are all, all guilty of things. And we want to make choices out of haste or out of, I want it, so I want it now. Mm-hmm. So I do think that you need to pray about things um, fast, whatever you need to do to to be led to your decision, if it's a big decision, like that, that kind of thing. But I now like also, that. on the flip side, the thing that can't kind of came to me when you said that is you also have to step out in faith. So you can't always just sit on your butt, like you're saying, and wait on things to just fall in your lap because they're not, because um, that wouldn't require faith. And all, the whole thing of being a Christian is built on faith. You have to have faith and believe that he's going to take care of you um, and lead you and guide you and, and direct you in everything that you're going to do. So with that said, it's a flip 22, and I think it just depends on the situation. And, um, you know, it, I, I kind of think about it this way. I mean, when my husband was looking for jobs and stuff like that, you know, it's like wait on God, let's wait on the decision, whatever. But if you don't step out in faith and walk through the door, then you don't know what's really the right path or not. So, it, you kind of have to do both. You need to combine both both hmm. scenarios. I like that. That that's big right there. That that you just put me on point too. Sonny, what do you think? What's what's wait on God mean for you? Uh, yet again, testimony. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, serious. I think there's a difference between waiting on God and resting in God. You mm. know what I'm saying? And 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 so they are the same coin. What you're saying as far as waiting on him and getting up and being active yourself, it's the same coin. But the question is, can you rest in God? And this, well, you rest in Jesus who sits beside God. But you rest in Jesus, right? And I think what that means is it gives you the time to listen and to hear him. And I don't I I'm one of the people who thinks that I actually talk to God and, and people laugh or whatever, you can say whatever. But I feel like I'm one of the people that actually I have a personal relationship with my Lord and Savior mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so he talks to me. Like I have projects that I started working on and then mm-hmm. I would get mad because I couldn't finish it. And then, I'm, you know, and then all of that in me is unrestful. I want to finish it. I want to finish it. And then I pray on it. Nothing comes. So then you have to say, okay, put that to the side. It's, it's going, I'm going to have to let it rest until God is ready. Right. Then you learn the lesson. Then you get knocked down. Then you get back up. And now that project is still mm. sitting there, but it looks oh, yeah. brand new to you again. 
Oh, yeah. Because it was something missing. It was a lesson that you hadn't learned yet. And that's what I think. I think it just means to rest. Do the things that the works come from inside you once you're resting in, in Jesus Christ. So if you sit there and you rest, he will move your feet to be where you need to be. But you have to get up and go. So you can't just, you know, like Sean mm-hmm. says, just drop in your lap. You got to yeah. get up and go. You got to prepare yourself. You got to give in the effort. And then you got to walk in like the victory is won because you know that you're resting in Jesus Christ. You know, and I, like I think that. that that's all of it is part of the same coin. And I think that the last, the thing that people miss most is the victory. All right? If you didn't pray on it, you know, if you didn't worry about it and then pray to God for forgiveness for worrying about it, if you've done all of that, by the time you get to that place, you should be in victory. And this is what I say about all my speeches. I have yet to ever give a speech where I didn't get on the stage and felt at peace, at mm-hmm. rest, completely submitted, submissive to God, completely letting him have my tongue, completely <coughs> just giving myself over. And I have never felt nervous. I have never felt shy. I have never felt and inadequate. I have never felt like I didn't belong. Every time you rest in him, but you got to get up and actually do it. So I rested him, get up and go on the stage, and he makes me at peace. If that makes any sense, that's that's the only thing that I could give as an analogy to it. I think I think that yeah. makes a lot of sense. You know, I, I definitely think yeah, that. Yeah, you've got to you've got to be able to give it all over to God because ultimately it's His anyways. You're just a vessel, yeah. and I think that. You know, you have to, if you're going to ask God for something, you've got to be prepared for the answer to do it. And the victory of it. And that's, I mean, if anything, you go off on the rant that you had earlier, P, is is my thing of the victory of it. Because some of us can't cope with the victory. We can't cope with the win. We can't cope with the blessing. It's like we've been kicked so long that when something good happens to you, you're like waiting for the rug to be pulled from under you. Or, you know what I'm saying, you waiting like Wally Coyote um, finally catching the roadrunner only to have an anvil drop on his head. You know, and that's how that's how you feel. But if you if you do it in victory, if you do it, knowing that it's supposed to happen this way, if you do it knowing that God has ordered your path, if you do it knowing you have been obedient to that path, then when the time comes, you can only have victory in your heart. To me, that is what faith is. Faith is I have prayed on it. I've, you know, God, you've spoken to me. You've humbled me. I, I, I got it. Now it's handled. Like he said, it's finished. It's done. And now it's victory. And you have to have that attitude. People call it confidence. It's not mm-hmm. confidence. You know, it's not comp. It's rest. Mm-hmm. It's, it's rest. Is when you know what you know and you know it beyond a shadow of a doubt, you are at rest. And that's an awesome feeling. So for any of y'all who haven't tried Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, it is an awesome feeling. (laughs) Hey, you listen to the KIRP Radio Show, 619-638-8559. You can check us out on KIRPRadioShow.com. Also on Facebook, Facebook.com backslash KIRP Radio Show. Also, check out Charlotte at the Triad Super Saver on Twitter or on Facebook. Which one is that? Triad Super Saver. Facebook. 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 On Facebook, look up Triad 
Super Saver, T-R-I-A-D. And on Twitter, you can check all of us out, man. We're all on there. We're going to start with the superstar, Sonny, at Sonny Johnson with an O-S-O-N-N-I-E. Johnson, better know how to spell it, listening to this show. And uh, <laughs> me at NC Pudgy at KRP Radio Show, and that's how we do it, baby. Listen, here's the thing, right? I think that what we all said goes together. Mm-hmm. But I think what what I experience a lot are okay. First of all, let me let me go back to what something that Sonny said. I used to think that you know I, I couldn't enjoy the victory, Sonny, and I didn't know how to act when things happened for the positive because I never believed they would happen. <laughs> and and mm-hmm. straight up, like you know, it, it, for, and, and that's a hundred. That's a hundred percent. It is a hundred. Like my thing, I'm gonna go like anchoring off of you and um and your um Black Father Society. Some men I have met can't accept the fact that they're good fathers. Like like they don't understand that the path that their fathers took is not the one that they are taking, and then they doubt themselves in their decisions and. You know, I'm glad for men like that to have strong women that's like, you know, straighten your back up. This your job, you know, this your job and your responsibility. But yeah. it's it's so wonderful what you're doing because it it branches out to all areas. You know, it's that feeling of inadequacy. Like like they have told us for so long because we're black, we're nothing. And and this isn't the people that are against us. This is the people we vote for who tell us that. And and they tell it constantly and constantly and constantly. So when you're a hood rat and you've been at the bottom of the pit and you didn't crawl your way up, you don't know how to how to enjoy the sunshine. You don't know how to, you know you've been in the pit so long. You don't know how to enjoy the sunshine. <laughs> That's what I will put it on. And one of the reasons I love, and I know I cut you off, I'm sorry, but it's one of the reasons oh, I love hip-hop the way I do. Because if you see somebody at their first album, and then you see them at their fifth album, it should be growth. And you should see the person that started in the pit and yeah. now has been all over the world, that has sung in front of sold-out shows, that you know what I'm saying? And that person yeah. now knows how to enjoy the sunshine. We have to take that on a smaller scale and know how to enjoy the victories. And then they got us walking around petrified like you're not supposed to be boastful. If you're not boastful in God, then you, it's something wrong with you. When you win, you're supposed to want to tell people, I won because God had my back. I won because Jesus Christ was standing there right there with me. I, you are supposed want to tell people that. You are supposed to want to spread that. And when they have got you so fearful that you are afraid of victory and afraid of telling people who made you victorious, then how can you expect a miracle? How can you expect a blessing? How can you accept it? You don't put yourself in a place to accept more and more and more when you are the one putting those roadblocks up in front of you. <laughs> For real. That's 100, too. Wow. Charlotte, you don't have no roadblocks up, do you? <laughs> I try not to. I don't I mean, either, man. No, I'll I ask y'all this. Tell me, all of us, all of us think that we escaped the indoctrination, right? We, we, that's the roadblocks. But all of us think we escaped it. But 
all of us have a piece of it. And it's so important for us to understand what part of the indoctrination it was embedded with us and stuck with us. And I'll I'll speak first on it. Mine was to trust in people. I don't trust people. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, if I ain't know you since five, it's only so close I'm gonna let you get. And you I've know, been you, like that my like entire that. life. But that you was like that. have you in the back. That was you can't trust anybody. That was it was a part of the indoctrination that stuck with me. And all of us need to figure out which part stuck with us, so we know to look out for it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When it when it when it shows its ugly head, we know what we're looking for. Yeah, I, I don't think in in terms of trust, that's a bad thing though. I, I personally, you 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 shouldn't trust people. Like, no, because then I wouldn't have you. I wouldn't have you. I wouldn't have Kev. Some people have to, you know, people have to trust. Trust is such a big word though. No, but I don't give it to and that was that's what I'm saying a part of mine. I didn't give it to anybody. <laughs> I didn't give it to anyone. And it 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 was a trust for me to do it. I mean, to 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 understand the conversations that me and Kevin have, I would have yeah. never did that 5 years ago with anybody. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Thing. So, yeah. it's that's love it's too. It's it's letting people, and I'm telling you, it's stopping your own roadblocks. But if you can't acknowledge what your roadblocks are, Trouble. it's why you can't get over it or Trouble. under it or around it. You know, how how do you maneuver if you don't know what you have to maneuver around? It's like the door jump. You know you go over the bridge, you go to the tree, you, you know, you know what you got to do. If you take that path and you don't know where you're going, how you plan on getting where you need to be? That's so you need to know with... it about yourself first. So, P, what is yours? What part of it got stuck with you? Man, I got so much. I, man, <laughs> I don't. I don't. Let's go to Charlotte first. Let me let me write down my list. Charlotte, what's yours? <laughs> what were you, oh, what were you about to say anyway? Before I really cut you off, my bad. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think. <laughs> I was just. I think <laughs> I was gonna say that's the that's the problem with uh, so many um, Christians and non Christians because. Like you're saying, trust, you have a hard time with trust, but that's with any relationship, but God's a relationship, too. We have a relationship with God. And if you don't really trust in him, you're not going to have faith in him that what you pray for is going to actually come to fruition, so then you're not going to have the victory because you never trusted in the first place. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. And and I think that you give cycle. him the cue to know whether the victory comes or not about how yeah, and, you walk into the situation. You know, yeah, and like, mean, if, if you, you could be doubtful all the way up to the moment it counts, and then in the moment it counts, you have victory. I, you know, I take Abraham Abraham as an example of that. You know, Abraham doubted. Abraham was a doubter. You know, he was a doubter. He doubted all the time. But when the time came, when he had to put it all on the line, what was put up or shut up, each time he chose his faith. But before he chose, before he chose his faith, he doubted, he doubted, he doubted. Is the reason he had Ishmael in the first place. So it's not. I don't really think it's about the time leading up to it. I think it's when you get to that moment, when you know that moment is here, and you know it's that moment. Do you approach that moment in victory? You know, and I think it has yeah, to I be. Yeah, totally get that moment. I think too, though. But for a lot of roadblocks for people. I mean, I totally what you're saying is is 
talking about the victory, but the roadblock for a lot of people is just getting to that, is walking in the faith part, because if you don't and you just keep doubting and you keep doubting, then you might miss out on that blessing that God intended for you. So you start out asking, and then you're not willing to step out towards the path that he wants you to go on, and you just veer to the other path that's easy for us as, like, Americans or society. We just want to go down what's comfort comfort to us. And so if we can't get past that roadblock of the faith and the trust and saying, God, I ask you to do this, take care of me, take care of me, but you're not willing to do what he's telling you to do or leading you to do or that little nudge that you feel, um, then you miss out on those blessings. And I think a lot of times blessings are in disguise. So what yeah. we thought is what should have been the victory, we totally missed it because we were expecting what we wanted, not what God wanted us to have. <laughs> hey, I have, I have, man, I'm telling you, I have done that That's so many times. I have, yeah, I have like been, I have there so many times where I fought him and fought him and mm-hmm. fought him, and then when I was tired, I was like, you know, fine, God, you know, it's fine, you just have your way, and even saying it out of frustration sometimes. And he still would show up and be like, okay, now I need you to go and give this speech, you know. And I'm like, oh, and I go, and it's an awesome experience. It's something that I, you know. So in everything But if you didn't listen, you know, you missed that whole victory, that whole blessing, that whole everything. And we have to be able to accept victories, whether it's the victory we wanted or not. We have to be able to accept that and, Uh and trust that that's what God wanted for us because his plan, he knows the plan. We don't. You know, what we keep seeing and what we think is going to be happening in our lives or what's going to roll out or what you're going to be doing in the next whatever, we have no idea because that's not for us to know. Only God knows. And so we just have to trust and, like you said, rest in the fact that he has that plan already laid out. So we should yeah, even be what stressing. they say, if you want to you wanna see God laugh, make plans. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I've definitely heard that before. But let me tell y'all, and and I don't I don't back on, you know, what I started out saying in at the beginning of this segment because personally I think they all go together. Like mm-hmm. I, I really think they all go together. Like I think you have to see the huge part about being a Christian in that I, I wanted to say that you guys had it all right, but that's after the fact. Like the things that you guys are saying, the prayer, the resting, the believing, the trusting you know, the, the the reward, you know, believing the reward, like all that happens after you make the jump anyway, because you don't come to God unless you're already torn or you're scorned or, yeah. or you're seeking something. You need something better, something bigger. And, and then you're or coming you just, for that. Or you cry out when you just need help and that's it. Right. Or, but or you, you answer when he seeks you because what? you you answer when he seeks you. And, and that's a... Yeah. Like you're you're in that existence. No, like no matter the reason, no matter yeah, the reason, you. you should already be in that point of prayer. So for the things that you need to do to take care of your business, you should be able to handle that because God already told you go and do it. Do your part. I've done mine. I'm gonna like this. Is something we don't have to worry about. God gonna do His part regardless. We just gotta do ours. So if you're already a Christian, you're already living a life, your prayer life should be right in the first place. You should already be talking to God. And if you ain't, you need to backtrack anyway. Like you need to go all the way back, all like rewind, total rewind. Go all the way back and figure something else out. 
Because the job is the least of your problems. Like getting up off your butt is the least of your problems if you're a Christian without a prayer life. I promise you. You see what I'm saying? So those things should be given. Like we don't, I don't think that we should have to sit and wait on God to do things in the physical that we know we need to take care of that are part of our responsibilities. Mm-hmm. When it's a part of your responsibility, there's a go button that says, you know what, I need to get up and fix some food for the kids because they get out of school at blah, blah, blah. Or they have to go to bed or I need to go wash clothes. Or I, you have to handle your business. You know what I mean? Those things aren't decisions that we have to wait on God for. Those are a given. So when it comes to work and employment, now granted, if you come through a crossroad and you got to decide on making a major decision, you need to be consulting God anyway. And if you're in that life, your prayer life should be right. Hell, while you're filling the application out, you should be praying. You know, while you're mm-hmm. driving every day, man, I'm riding on the bike and I'm praying half the time. I'm driving in the car, forget to turn the radio on and I'm praying. You know, I could be at work right never interviewed and I'm praying. Yeah, I've never interviewed for a job or anything without crying out. I do not want a job that I know that God doesn't want me in. And, and and that's definitely the point. You know, that's where we should be as as if we like I said before, if you really believe what what you say you believe, and if you're true to who you say you are, there are some things that are are given. It's like being a parent. You know, it's some stuff you don't have to read a book about. You know, whether you ever change the pamper or not, you're gonna figure it out one way. But one thing for sure is you can't sit there and wait for somebody else to come do it. Uh, you're going to have to fix a bottle. You're going to have to change a diaper. You know, you're going to have to feed that child. There's some things that you won't automatically know how to do, but you'll get it if you just make that attempt. And that's what we have to do. Like, we got to start telling folks that, you know, I, listen, wait on God. That's a part of prayer. That's a part of belief. That's a part of your relationship. But in terms of going to get off your butt and go do the things that need to be done, you need to go ye forth and, and go on your path and give it a shot. Try to do something. Attempt to do something is better than doing nothing. Sitting there waiting, trying to figure out what's going to happen. You know, pray and keep it moving. So, I think, too, like a lot of people, a lot of Americans and Christians, non-Christians alike, use um, almost God as like a crutch. And sure. they, they say they're Christians, they say whatever, and they live their day-to-day life like anybody else that maybe isn't a Christian or whatever, and your life isn't right. But whenever you're in need or whenever you're, you know, up, I have no money, or, oh, I just lost my job, God help, God, you know, and it's just like a little security blanket that you keep on the side, but that's not what God is. And an excuse a lot of times. It's an excuse. Yeah, and then they get mad because God's not, you know, answering their prayer as soon as they pray. God, God is not just going to hand something over. I mean, I don't think that he withholds, but I think he wants to see that we are faithful and that we are seeking after him more than just when we need something. Listen, when when Christ was traveling, which disciple was doing nothing? Did he find any disciple that wasn't doing something? Out of all the disciples mm-hmm. that traveled with God, them guys were work, they were putting in work. They were working mm-hmm. men. They were out there either earning a living or doing what they had to do, whether it was good or bad. They were doing something. They were active. You know, I, I think God wants active people with active minds who are willing, or else you won't go out and preach this message. You know, you're just going to sit down and you're going to chill and wait on him to tell you. Well, what if he never comes and wait on him to tell you? Then what are you going to do? You should be seeking mm-hmm. God, not waiting for him to seek you. Now, for some yep. of us, that's different. Sometimes he seek us out and be like, you know what? Well, you need to chill. 
come here, let me holler at you because you're acting up, and I need yeah. you to do that. You know, sometimes that happens, but. <laughs> that does. That happens. Yep. Yeah. So I can't. I, that's, that's, that's testimony right there. Because, I no, I think I've, I've told the story so many times, so I ain't, you know, it ain't going through repeating it, but <laughs> and, and that's that's testimony right there. And But I, I'll point out, I'll point out this, because this is something that I've been, I've really been studying on. And I think we, we talked about it, like, constantly, you know. And I think a lot of, a lot of the reason that, we have the society we have of Christians, the way that Christians are. And it's not even to blame it on the church anymore because even though the church bears a burden in it, but it is a personal decision. And so personally as Christians, we should be making that decision regardless of what the church, uh, the hierarchy of the church is saying. Absolutely. But, but we... I don't want to, how do you, how do you, um, some people may not have gone through what they needed to go through to mm-hmm. be at the restful place that we find ourselves in now. And yes, I always try to put myself back at 17. And like I said, I was, I went to church my entire youth up until the day and me and my stepmother hated each other. But mm-hmm. one day my stepmother came to me. And was like, God told me that he wanted me and you to have a relationship. And she was so nasty to me. And she was so evil that when she told me that, I was like, you know what? Then I don't want to, if God thinks that me and you should, you know, be friendly with each other, then I don't want to have a relationship with God. Hmm. And I stopped going to church, and, and it was kind of, it was my severance. It was like, at that point, it was like, you have asked too much of me to want to be nice to this woman. But I didn't understand how much forgiveness I was going to need, mm-hmm. you know? And when you don't understand what you're going to need or what your future holds, it's kind of hard for you to be reflective. And right now mm-hmm. we have a whole bunch of people who are afraid that they are too imperfect, that they are too unqualified, that they are too detached from God oh. or God to give a damn. And she have we need to start putting that back on the forefront that it's not just about us who find rest, you know, because even us who find rest find ourselves flat on our face. It's for you, too. You know, it, it's for all of you too, and that's the kind of the thing where you where you see the church people now, and they walk with their nose oh, up in the air like they're too good, or like they're above you, or they're blessed beyond what you can be blessed. And it's going to take more humble Christians to change Christian to change Christianity around. If you have the Pharisees types at the top, and they are the representatives of Christianity, then you're going you're gonna to have a broken flock. Until you have humility at the top, then nothing, none of this faith stuff outside of the people who've already made the individual choice, none of it's going to change. None of it. Because we have no humility at the top of any of our leadership anymore. And you can't be boastful in God, have no humility 
in yourself because you're so self-righteous. But you won't want to boast against God, boast on God and what he's done for you. How do you teach people to rest if they're lost in the confusion of what we have today, of the church that we have today, of the leaders that we have today, of the interpretation of Christianity that we have today? How do you get more people to come in if this is the situation that we're dealing with overall? You stop ridiculing them. I, I think. I think that's that's one of the things is I, I believe that the church scares people off, and and I don't know if it's the interpretation or I don't know if it's the language, but I think a lot of people are scared to turn their lives over to God in in, in the Christianity belief because it seems so boring. It seems or so, it seems like they have to be like the people in the church, and or there's yeah, a bunch of hypocrites in the church. Yes, well, I mean, I'm yeah. telling you, and, and and it wasn't just that one experience, and I don't want to eat this up, but it wasn't just that one experience that made me act this way. It was a lady. She was in my church. She um was active all the time. She was constantly, you know, she was like my grandmother, one of the first people there, one of the first people to leave. You know, she, um, she you know, just all in the church, every time, every time. So, mm-hmm. When I, I, you know, I'm, I, I go around to my uncle's house, and you know, my uncles and them, you know, they all do what they do, and it's a bad scene. But I gotta go check on, them, check in on, them, make sure they're alive, make sure they're still kicking. And right. I see her in there with them, and I'm sitting there like, this is the late. Don't run in the church. You know, you know, the one is just belittling and berating every single person around, and here she is in a crack house, smoked out. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, is this is this God? You know what I'm saying? Is this what God is? And it was, it's, it's one of those things where it's going to take people of humility to talk to average people to understand that those people, that's not God. That's not that's not Jesus Christ. That's not what the gospel give you. You don't have to be you don't have to be them to be to be a child of God. You don't. And and it's some it's gonna take some humble Christians to go out there and like you said, preach it and, and to tell them the truth. To spread the gospel. Well, there's so many Christians or people that call themselves Christians that just like you said, they act one way in church and they're a totally different person the next week. And you don't realize who is watching you. So it's, man, it, it's, it's you especially can't be, the kids. Yeah, you can't I, be I one way and then That's be the what? next in church. It's hypocrites, and there's so many out there today, and it drives me crazy. I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm perfect because I'm not. We are human. But don't call yourself a Christian and go and act the way you know you should not be during the week. Well, here's the thing. Don't do it. Okay, so so here's the thing, and and I know. Shout out to my guest, man, Major Dave. We'll be on here in about seven minutes. We're gonna bring him on. We were talking about leadership early. Sonny made a note to leadership, and now uh, this man is running for vice chair NCGOP. He's also a Tea Party guy, and uh, you know, activist and grassroots and all this, that, and the other. We're gonna bring him on. We're gonna have a great conversation, and I want to ask him about some of these things because. You know, in their platform in the Republican Party, it's God Nation platform. So we, you know, you know, it's, it's God's in there. We don't talk about it. But listen, here's the thing. And I'm not. I don't. I didn't want to. This will probably be a topic for another show. But what makes 
what makes an imperfect person not a Christian? You know, see, because we have this thing, myself included, and, and Rashad and I, we talk about this a lot. But what makes a person who, who believes in Christ, okay, who is making an effort to live that way, and, and, and they believe everything that they're supposed to believe in, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, you know what I mean? But what makes them not Christian anymore? What makes them a hypocrite when they, when they backslide? Because once you say once, you always say Right. Well, what it, makes them not? You can, I think you, I mean, like I said in the beginning, I said you're human, you're going to make mistakes. But there are people that, I mean, I've seen it in my own friends who are backstabbing or talking about one another behind each other's mm-hmm. backs or doing things or judging. We aren't here to judge. I'm not going to judge. Right. And so, therefore, it's not for me to say whether you are a Christian or not. But I mm-hmm. can say whether actions, like like Sonny said, in the crack house but in the church, you can make mistakes, but don't make the same mistake every single day <coughs> over and over and over. That's not a mistake. That's you choosing to be that way. So they should, and and don't I don't want y'all to take offense to this because I'm playing devil's no, advocate. Fine. But I really I really believe this. Like I'm I'm really questioning this because. So what should those people who keep falling short of the glory do? Should they just not go back to church anymore and try to do right? Just totally say, you know what? Stop getting this wrong. Let me just not go anymore. Or let me just no, well, I think what Charlotte said last week bears repeating. At that moment, that's when you shout out and you cry out, mm-hmm. I cannot do it by myself. Right. It is not this the moment you I give up. It is it not the own. moment you walk away. That is like... That is your perfect moment. That is what God wants you to know when that you cannot do it yourself. That is that is the moment that brings you to rest. You know. So but what if what if they don't do it before you though? Like what if what if what if you know because people you have to have a personal relationship. So what if those people are going through that and that's their thing and they're they're talking to God about it and they're trying. But you know what? Mm-hmm. Like a drug dependency, like the lady in the crack house. That's a serious dependency. So, you know, well, she has this problem, but she keeps going think to church, what it is. and you keep seeing it in a crack house. Like, so Moments how, you how do you not look at her different? And that, that was the thing. It wasn't to me. Like, I grew up around crackheads. So it was ones that I liked. I liked the crackheads and knew they were crackheads. You know, and I'm not trying to be funny. I like the ones that is funny, though. Who, knew, no. who knew who what they were. You know, I, I just, I like the ones who didn't try to pretend like they were above it all, like they wasn't, a, you know. It, she pretended like she wasn't. And that you. was the part that got to me. It wasn't yeah. the fact that she was an addict. It was the fact that yeah. she acted as though she had no sense. And to mm-hmm. me, that's what, that's how you lose it. When you get to the point where you're doing all of these things, but you can't admit it to yourself. Like I said, it was about the indoctrination joint, about understanding yourself and being able to admit your shortfalls. When you can't look at yourself through God's eyes, which means you can, you know your imperfections even though he sees you perfectly, you know. But when you choose to not see imperfection in yourself, then I think that that's, that's God, like, I, I don't know. To me, 
That's that's the slap in the face when you well, that's can't why, admit. That's why people don't come to church, though. That that's why. But that's where the other Christians have to pick up and start praying for those people. That's the yeah. problem. Is that all the other Christians are just as guilty because they're talking about what those people are doing. And yeah. instead of and dropping everything and crying out for those people and saying, God, take this from them. God, help them see what they're doing. But Bingo. that's the see, thing. I'm yeah. not just pointing out just the one person that, that fall every single week. Because you're just yeah. as much as fault if you're looking at them and seeing their problem and not doing anything about it. Get them, That's what I'm talking about right there. See, but, but here's the thing now. Here's the thing. Because I'm on both sides, and I'll tell you why in like one minute. I'm on your side because I agree. Uh, you can't run around here like you're the holiest of the holy and no. you know you got a spot up there in the bunk next to Moses and you know in the big house and you're gonna be chilling beside God and sitting on the throne you know eating grapes you, you can't act like that but at the same time these people are probably falling short now you know jumping on the other side of the fence they're probably falling short you know they're probably crying mm-hmm. out in their hands they probably really want help they probably really want to yeah. stop suing you can't crowd in your head you have to cry with your mouth. You can't crowd in your head. You can't be ashamed of it. You can't be afraid of it. Keep fighting by it. And you can't give an excuse for it. And and, and I think that that's, that's what it is. We've been given permission to give excuses about everything. And the ones, uh, when I was, in, I was in church, I was maybe 13 years old, and we was outside and we were we was cussing on the church ground, and my aunt came outside and caught us. And and you know she gives this nasty and stern look, and and she just walks off. She doesn't say anything. And of course me, I'm like, okay, why did we get in trouble? I want to know. So she was like, you you do it when you're not at church. Do you think he can't see you then? Exactly. You know, do you think he only sees you? You are. But you know what happens, though? You know what happens? The, the problem is, and like I was saying before, the problem is this is why the kids don't come to church, because of how you guys just looked at the people that you named and how I look at people when I see them fall short and how sometimes we even look at ourselves. Like, these kids don't want to hear that. But this is what they see. Like, they see the parents go to church, and they're more holding mm-hmm. it out, and then they come home and they fall short. Meanwhile, yep. sister so-and-so and brother so-and-so are like, yeah, I know they do that, and they're going to be in the liquor house and this, that, and the third. Like, all this junk, all this garbage, all this, as people say, judging. And, and personally, I think you should judge. I think we make decisions every day, and we judge ourselves, and we judge other folks based on how they act, so we know whether how we should deal with them or deal with them in or not, or allow them to come around our family, our friends, or whatever. Like, we do judge, and we make decisions based off that. And you know what? That's okay. You know, because if you're not paying attention to people and you're not judging their actions and the things they say, you're going to you be the fool when they act up and be caught up in that garbage. That's up to you. You know, if, if you want to just accept, and that's part trust, but if you just want to accept everybody for how they come around and how they claim to be, and then you just keep pulling people in your circle and you find out, you're trying to figure out how you got that spirit, you know, how you start acting like this, because trust you me, when you start hanging around people, you start taking on their spirits. Mm-hmm. So it's not yeah. judging people according to how they act. You're in trouble. I'm telling you. You know what I'm saying? But I think this is what the kids are looking at, like both sides of what we're saying. Like we see people who acting up, and then we see them outside of the church, and we're going, man, you know what? That's messed up. They act all holy and down, and they get a church. And I see them in the crack house, or I see them at the house, or mm-hmm. whatever. 
you know, whatever they're doing wrong, whatever. Yeah, we're the raising the up these side, children. It's not, it's not. My, my point is it's not our business, guys. No, it's not that's that it's not our business. Like with my daughter, with my daughter, with my daughter, I make sure I teach her to be respectful to everybody, right, including a crackhead. But I will tell her, look at him, smell him, you know, understand what and who he is. But you won't be disrespectful. You you know, you won't, you're not going to treat him dirty or you're not going to, Come out of your mouth sideways to them because they're less than. I mean, like they're less than. But understand who they are. Understand the choices that they made that got them to that point. And so that's that's it. it it's not the point of the people that have fallen, right? Because I will never look at a person that's fallen, or judge or any of that because I have so right. much. That I'm just praying that I well no I I know that God has forgiven me for and oh my God what a blessing that is I know how much so I will never look at people and the problem with kids isn't necessarily mm-hmm. that they're looking at people as 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 being really the hypocrites or not the hypocrites as the holier than thou is the hypocrites that's no, what it that. is <laughs> and it's the parents that won't tell them. You are, you're going to fall short. You're going to mess up. They have the parents that tell them that they can do no wrong. Yes. You know, and, and so when you all of that up together, like I tell my daughter, she's perfectly imperfect. You know, <laughs> you're not perfect, but you're perfect for me. You know, and to, to let her know, she don't walk on water. She ain't no better than anybody else, but she everything in my eyes. And to have her have that humility that, yes, mama's going to look at you like that, but the world isn't. And so Mm -hmm. as a parent, you can't tell your children that there are no consequences for their actions, that, that nothing that they do wrong is their fault, and then go into a church. You know, and, and that is that is the, that is the worst hypocrisy, and that is the problem with what you do with your kids because as a parent, you need to have that conversation. I had that conversation with another crackhead. My mother didn't have that conversation with me. My father didn't have that conversation with me. It took another crackhead to sit down and tell me, you don't know what happened in these people's lives that got them Mm -hmm. to this place. You don't understand what they went through and how they got mentally to the place where they turned their lives over to addiction. Mm -hmm. And... So before you go judging them, maybe you should understand. And that's why it's like this one lady I know, She, her husband, she lost her husband. She was like her husband got married when they were like 18. They had two boys. He went off to one of the wars. I don't know exactly which one. He was killed in war. And her two sons, she lost one when he was 18 and then one when he was 20. And she lost her mind. Everything she had ever known, everyone she had ever known, loved, cared about was gone. And she just lost her wow. mind and she turned to drugs. And it and that humbled me to the fact that you can't walk in judgment. You don't know what got that mm-hmm. person there. But you can look at them and say, 
Those choices, the choices to not fight back, the choices to give up, the choices not to call out with your tongue, with your voice and say, God, help me. Those choices matter. So I don't have to necessarily look at you in judgment to understand exactly who you are. But it does take an amount of human compassion to know that everybody has a story. Everybody got to where they are because of something. And maybe that's what the problem is. We're not asking people enough about what got them to where they are as opposed to how they change positions to get from where they are to where they should be. We're also not stepping up and taking the responsibility to to pray for those people and fill in where those people weren't strong enough, you know. You know, and that's there what to add on what I told you last week when you were um yeah. when you were like when you were opening up about, you know, personal stuff or getting a little personal I should say. But that's what it is. Is is being able and, and to also at the same time you're when you're struggling with something, that's the time you're supposed to pray for somebody else that's struggling <laughs> with the exactly. same thing you're struggling I mean, with. So, so if yeah, you have money, calling them out on their fault, praying this, for them. This is what this. Hold on, hold on a second, hold on a second. You, you just. This is what I'm talking about. Like, this is the things that I know we should be doing. These are the things that Christians should be doing. And I think more kids will be coming towards Christ and and doing things in the church if we were doing that instead of saying, you it's know, this because is the, same the Christians thing that was so holy now in the church. Uh, I'm, hey, I'm with y'all. I mean, I get it, but you can't. My point is, you know, as Sunny was saying earlier, she was asking, is this what God is, you know, with the lady in the crack house? And, and my point is to anybody and to everybody out there is that, you know, a lot of the times we shouldn't be focused on those folks, man. You know, we should be fellowshipping no. with them people, but we shouldn't be focused on where they are and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You need to be focused on what you're doing and how they get closer to God. And if you're closer to God, if your pastor is right, you're going to immediately not like, What's she doing in the crack house? She's going to be like, man, I need to pray for her. Let me exactly. go get her sister. Let me go bring her be out. Be on your you know face for like, somebody else. Talk about something getting coming back to you. Be on your face for somebody else and see what God does. See like how that, big God that, is. that for us, you know, yes. But if you're going to be talking about for for kids who are learning, that scars them. You know what I'm saying? For us, for us, we can... Pray for that person, but for a kid that that person, not to say is a role model, but as an adult, as an authority figure in the church especially, mm-hmm. is that child isn't going to pray for the person in the crack house. They're going to no, look well, at that, them that like child, hypocrites. That, if, that, if that child is taught right, that child not going to go with you with that. That's, son, that's that the child is, that child, that how many is, of us were taught right from the beginning? Even if we went to the church, how many of us were taught right? I was in church all right. I wasn't taught right. So it's happening, Sonny. It's going to happen. Kids are going to be let down. They need to be led toward God. Put your trust in God. God is your role yes. model. Even, even so, it goes back to the point. That's not what they're being taught in the church. You know, and, and, and so if they're not picking that up, if they're not getting that lesson, I mean, seriously, at, at, at 17, 18, did you understand that? Yes. I didn't understand it for, I didn't understand any of it. Like, I didn't understand, I didn't understand any of it. And I had been in church. 
And this is how bad the churches are. You know, you know what to expect on Christmas. You know what to expect on Easter. You know, you know what to expect on the anniversary. You know what to expect during um, Revival Week. You know what I'm saying? You know what sermon to expect depending on what time of the year it was. But there aren't teachers. And my mother was, you know, she was a, a good good Christian woman, but she didn't teach us. My father didn't know anything about anything, so he couldn't teach me. And so my education of it came from seeing people and not having it explained, not in the, not in the sense of just Christianity, not in the sense of just praying for a person, but in the sense of, of caring enough to want to know what got them there. Like, if you can't even get to the point where you, like, like, if you sit down and have a conversation with a crackhead, it'll probably be one of the most interesting conversations you ever had. <laughs> Some of the and most. That's weird. They got, they got stories about everything. Like, oh, my gosh, this one guy told me how he took, how he took the wheels off of a diesel truck using trash cans. I'm, I'm telling you, like MacGyver-type stuff. But it's... it's you never know if you can't sit down to take the time not to just pray for somebody, but to talk to somebody. To like to be the person yeah, that that one thing to them that no one else has said to them. Mm-hmm. And and that's what we don't get enough of. Because I have a, and and I'm I know I'm running time, but I have a neighbor. And, I mean, he comes, he asks me, you know, he's having hard times. He's like, can, my daughter needs to be picked up from the bus stop. Can she come to your house? Can you watch her till we get home? You know, I'm like, fine. I have no problem with that. I got, I get my daughter every day, so I'll make sure your daughter's taken care of. Cool. So he goes on, he's telling me how he got um, he's sick now. He lost everything. He had a business, and now he's lost everything. The dude that worked with worked for him for 15 years is now letting him live in one of the rooms in his apartment. Wow. And it's like this whole twist of fate. And then we get to this certain point in the conversation, and he goes, back when I had money, I used to do that. I used to give turkeys. I used to give hams. I used to give coats. I used to, you know, I used to, I gave back. And so I looked him dead in his face. I said, oh, then you're not worried about it then because you know God don't keep a debt. Mm. Oh, boy, start dancing in the hallway. <laughs> he started dancing and throwing his hands in the air, and he was like, oh, my God, you're such a blessing. And I'm like, you don't even know what you've done to bless me in just having this conversation. Yeah. And just having this conversation you have. So it's not necessarily just about the act of praying. It's the act about actually mm-hmm. talking to people. Well, and, you're and, showing God's love by doing that because when somebody else might not because if they see how that person is, you're being God. You know, we're not being, but you're being like God would want you to be. It's we talk to them like they're not anybody different than you. You're no better exactly, no and, and that's why I said I love. love to have conversations, and and I'll say it again, and I don't mean I I know actually I mean exactly what I say. I love to have conversations with crackheads who know that they're crackheads, and they are some of the most honest. They will give you some of the most honest opinions, and and they will share their stories with you, and they will pour their souls out to you, 
and it's not often that people sit and listen to them and 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 actually hear them. And it, I'm not to say that that's like one of the best things you could do or something like that, but it makes it makes an effect on them. But I'm telling you, it it does something for you when you walk away from that conversation. So yeah, I have to go and visit my uncle. I know it's going to be ridiculous. I know the conversation is going to be ridiculous because I know that their brains are half gone. But I got to go and talk to them. I got to check on them. I got to make sure they're okay. I, I have to do these things whether they're living their life right or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes, some, you man, you, you you just never know where people are, man. Sometimes these dependencies that they have, they can have them for a lifetime long and they outlive you. Six one nine six three eight eight five five nine. Major Dave, I apologize, man. We got to bring Major Dave on the air. Charlotte, I know we kept you long enough, man. Very interesting <laughs> conversation. I I enjoyed this. This was intense, man. Charlotte, yes, shout you. out. Shout out, um, my daughter. She turned six tomorrow. So happy birthday to my what? baby girl. Happy birthday, Kimmy. Six years old, <laughs> man. Where we at? Five years ago, six years ago at this moment, like, what time did you go on labor? Do you remember the time and all that? It was um, 5.09, I think, in the morning when I had her. So tomorrow morning, 5.09. A couple more hours. Anyway, shout out to you, man. Shout out to you, baby. Six years old with her pretty self. Oh, my God. Those big cheeks. Love the picture and all that stuff. Yes, she's gorgeous, man. Um, Charlotte, shout out to you, shout out to your hubby, shout out to the team. Appreciate it for everybody out there, man. Make sure you check out Charlotte Holder, stretchingyourbudget.com, at Triad Super Saver, also on Facebook. And she's on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle, Charlotte? Charlotte, excuse me. Um, Stretch Your Budget, S-T-R-E-T-C-H-U-R, Budget. There it is, folks. You heard it. And uh, check her out next week. Charlotte, thanks, man. One love. Bye. See you later. Yeah. Sonny, let's bring on Mr. Major Dave, man. The man, this man, I, I, I contacted because I had Glenn Bradley on the show. Shout out to Glenn Bradley, man, good friend of mine. And, uh, you know, Glenn Bradley's running for vice chair in North Carolina. You know, he's been in the battleground state now. And uh, I guess we uh, we matter a little bit now, I guess. So, you know, there's some people out here that uh, that are, uh, to, to other people, right? So there's some people out here that are stepping up to the plate. And, uh, you know, Major Dave is, is not a politician. Um, he's a grassroots guy, Tea Party guy, definitely an activist, definitely a, on the ground level grassroots things, rocking, doing his thing. And um, like you, Sonny, Major Dave helped me understand who the Tea Party was, along with a lot of other people, and I, I appreciate that. And uh, so let's bring him to the show man, and see what this man has to say today. He believes for some reason that he could be the uh, the vice chair of the Republican Party in, in, in the GOP here in North Carolina. So I'm trying to figure out, you know, why he thinks that. I know Glenn is running. But Major Dave's running, too, and I like both of these guys, so now i got to let Major Dave convince me what's going on. Major Dave, welcome to the KIRP Radio Show with Pudgy and Sonny. What's up? Good evening, my friend. And, Sonny, I'll tell you what, if there's anything to wait for, I'm glad to hear every word you had to say. Oh, I appreciate that so much. Thank you. Now, I, yeah, I usually don't, don't say, I usually I don't take compliments. I had a minister contact. When it's on that issue, I, I gladly accept, so I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, I had a minister contact me recently. He's a good friend of mine, and he just mentioned in conversation that he was struggling with his sermon for the upcoming Sunday. And I said, what is it that you plan to talk about? And he told me. 
And mm-hmm. I said, don't question it again. Run with it. I guarantee you there's one person in front of you on Sunday that needs to hear exactly what you're what? going to say. Yeah. Nice. So all it takes, right? And, and he, he did. And, and he came back to me later. He said, you know, you were absolutely right because that person came up and spoke to me after the service. And I know there was somebody listening tonight, Sonny, that needed to hear exactly what you and Charlotte and Pudgy were talking about. So, so, so not only Sonny is the man with experience, but the man is a ghostwriter in sermons. <laughs> Yo, even Jay-Z ain't got no skill like that. He ghostwriting sermons. Major Day, you the man ghostwriter, ghostwriter of the year. Hey, Mr. Day, what, what's, what's, what's on your mind right now, brother? You got the vice chair, you know, seat opening up and... You know, I understand, you know, Glenn is a good friend of yours, too. So, you know, Glenn's out there rocking, and Mr. Kennedy is out there doing his thing. And, and it's just you three guys that are running. Is is that correct? No, no. Uh, Joyce Craywick has jumped into the race. Uh, she's oh, a longtime wow. activist with Freedom Works and the Republican yeah, Party. Yeah. And yeah. she announced about a week or so ago that she was going to be running. And uh, actually, she contacted me before she made the public announcement, let me know she was going to run. And uh, and it's nothing personal. As a matter of fact, I found out Marcus was running the night I called him to tell him I was going to run. And before I could even get it out of my mouth, he's telling me he's going to run. And, and the great thing is we're, we're all friends. We all know each other. And, and to me, wow. it sets up the perfect election because nobody's running against the other one. And the party gets to choose who they think among the four has the best overall slate of qualifications to do what needs to be done in the next two years. Wow. Let, let me let me ask you a question that I'm sure a lot sure. of our listeners let's just let's just get down to it since we wasted some of your time. But it, it, it was all in, in uh good good fun and, and uh definitely in, in good information. But um let me let me just ask you, what does the vice chair of of a GOP or a Democratic Party or, or any political organization such as this, but what does a vice chairman do? Their primary let, let function me, let, let me let me, let me rephrase that. What does because I, okay. I think a lot of people know what they do, but what does a vice chair do for North Carolina? Not just for the party. What does he do for North Carolina and North Carolinians? Well, the the biggest thing that they do besides act in the absence of the chair, which is a given, uh, obviously they have to be qualified to step up and fill that role even on a temporary basis, is to streamline the organization of the party throughout the state and that's from the state the district the county all the way down to the precinct level to make sure that all of those positions are filled that the people in those positions are trained and that they have a plan to win not just a plan to participate but a plan to win and that's part of the focus i think we need to change but that's really what the vice chair does he's the ground guy that goes out into the trenches and makes sure that the people out there in the field have what they need to be successful. Mm-hmm. All right, well, I'm a, I'm a I'm a tea party person, and my mm-hmm. my favorite. I love to go in front of tea parties and speak. So I am a big limited government, um, personal responsibility, and um, individual rights kind of person. Right. Give me your definition uh, of how that equates, especially in urban environments. And I know we don't want to play identity politics, but as far as it goes now with, like, the black and Hispanic community, how do we, given, I want to hear your answer to it, how do we 
push these narratives in these urban communities? Well, the first thing is to start by having the conversation. Uh, I took a whole page of notes here as y'all were talking during the first hour, and so much of what you were saying dovetailed right into what I was going to say. It goes right along with your religious witness. You can't bring somebody to Christ if you aren't having the conversation with them and sharing with you the benefits that you receive from it. And really in politics, it's a little different. What What is the benefit of being a conservative versus being a liberal? And the social media has opened the door to this whole new audience out there, people of all ages, to have a very frank and candid conversation. You know, I'm 58 years old, so I'm a little older than y'all, but I grew up in a generation that was taught two things you don't discuss in public, religion and politics. No. Because they're controversial. And so not only did we stop having that conversation, we've lost the art of how to have that conversation effectively and productively. (laughs) And so people ask me, though, why do I focus so much on the platform if my job as vice chair is really organization? Well, I can't do that effectively and go out and recruit people to work for the party if I cannot give them with a degree of clarity just what it is they're working and volunteering for and the confidence that our party is going to stand up in the public square for those values. Well, I, listen, I, Sonny, I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm a Tea Party guy, man. I, I, I love the Tea Party. Love them. Glad I understand them. And there's a lot of folks out there that don't understand the party. But I, mm. I will say in North Carolina, there's been a lot of – and, and I'm, we're not trying to make this a Q&A. I mean, I, I really want to have a conversation. I like to bring people on and sure. have a conversation. So – you know, anytime you feel like just throwing something out there, please do. But I, I, I do want to ask, um, you know, how will you balance the two? Because it seems like the Tea Party and the NCO GOP are almost at odds to end. So how can you balance those two or bring those two together for, uh, uh, um, I, I don't know, for a positive uh, conversation, Major Day? Well, in the first place, let me say I am grateful for the Tea Party because they can do things under their banner that the Republican Party cannot. Um, They have a totally separate identity. Um, They can have an appeal and a connection to independents that the party cannot, largely because many of those independents are former Republicans who left the party, frankly, in in disgust with some of the internal backroom dealings and, and what I call just the party politics. Uh, of doing the party business, and I understand that. But what carries the day in North Carolina is being conservative, and there is that broader conservative movement, and the party has to recognize that it is a part of that conservative movement. Um, Mm -hmm. Just like Chairman Priebus said three years ago, you know, we're a part of the conservative movement, not the other way around. He was acknowledging that there is this broader base of conservatives that are not part of the Republican Party. But what's happening is coming out of Washington because you have the liberal socialists who run the country right now, and then there's everybody else. And because they define it as Republican and Democrat, that everybody else is getting lumped under the Republican banner where it doesn't belong. Because in that conservative movement, you've got the GOP, but you've also got the Tea Party, the Second Amendment groups, the pro-life groups, the illegal immigration groups, the Second Amendment groups, and all these other single-issue groups that do what they do and thank God for it. 
because it takes all of them to win the war. Uh, you know, I, my background's military, so I, I say I'm grateful that there are guys that love to fly jets and guys that love to drive submarines and guys that like to roll around in the mud and blow stuff up because it takes all of them to win the war. But fighting together does not jeopardize their organizational identity when they do. And that's the kind of relationship that the party has to build with all of these other groups. Respect the boundaries of your neighbor. Work with them. Get along with them where you agree. And where you don't, keep to your own backyard. It's really pretty simple. Well, what is to say, there there is some differences between what the, I guess, what they call the establishment Republicans and, and and I guess, the new group of conservatives that are coming up. And um, we have, I mean, some real stark differences when you talk about, like, mildly um, increasing the budget as opposed to real budget cuts, you know, like, yeah. so... They instead of they're not they're not gonna really cut the budget. They're gonna cut how much the budget was supposed to be raised for next year, and the Republicans, so to speak, go along with that kind of math. And you have conservatives that say no, that is you know that is wrong math, and that's just one issue. So um, I believe in the theory of our of steel sharpening steel. And, and I think that that's what we're going through, and it's not a bad thing. But you have so much, you know, you expect it of the left to say that it's a bad thing, but you have a lot on the right now that are like, you know, we can't talk, we can't have these conversations, we can't do this, because then they're going to pick up on it, and it becomes we're yelling at each other about whether or not we can talk instead of what we're talking about. How do we go about changing that dynamic before we can even deal with the left about how we deal with ourselves. Well, two, two things come to mind. Um, you, you offer up a, a – brings a good analogy to mind here um, because much of what you're describing is happening with the Republican Party at the federal level, not the state level. Um, many things are changing here in North Carolina because we went red in November. We have a Republican majority in both the House and the Senate. We have a lieutenant governor and the governor's mansion, and we have a conservative majority on the state Supreme Court. And I believe we're already seeing changes in the first four months of this session of the legislature, and we'll see even more uh, before it ends sometime in June. Now, we have to segregate the distinction between the national party and the state party because we don't always agree. And that is very critical for people to understand. And the messaging that you're talking about how to reach out to people is being confused by that confusion uh, and that disparity. But I'm also seeing a difference between messaging in the urban environment versus the rural environment. Because with most conservatives out in the rural parts of North Carolina, you really don't have that kind of problem. They are much more in what they believe and what they stand for. And people in the urban environment, for some reason, tend to be more moderate or even liberal in some cases. And so we have to be sensitive to that and be aware of the audience we're addressing at the time. It's not a different message, but it's using the proper language that will communicate that message to that audience effectively. So are you are you saying – I'm picking, I'm picking fun here, so please take this as picking fun. Oh, that's fine. So this is like when when you get Hillary.
Hillary or Joe Biden in front of the black church and they bring out the preacher voice. And and everybody on the right criticizes them for it. And everybody on the left eats it up. And us on the right can't understand that all that they're doing is understanding who they're speaking to. And for some reason on the right, it's like we can't go there. And one thing is very interesting, when Ron Paul went, and I, and, I, and I love exactly what you said about the federal level as opposed to the state level, because I really do believe that if you get more people active in their local government, meaning their city government first, and then you can get them active in, your, in their state government, then, they, then they'll be well more informed on the federal level. So I really love that. But Rand Paul went, and he gave a speech at, at Howard University. And he said something very interesting in that speech, and I think that I would like to hear more of it in, in conservative messaging. Because Rand Paul said that when he grew up and when he went to school, he went to school with whites, he went to school with blacks, he went to school with Hispanics and Indians, and they didn't have the they didn't have the problems, you know. They didn't have the separate classrooms. They didn't have any of them problems. They all got along. So we're coming up upon this new generation of of all of these people that we've never had to experience. I guess what the things that went on in the sixties and seventies. So we've changed battlefields, and I hope you can appreciate that as a military man that we've changed battlefields. That we're no longer in that civil rights battlefield, we're now on an economic battlefield. And when you have people like Ron Paul, um, Rand Paul, not Ron Paul, but Rand Paul that are willing to go and, and stick their neck out and go to the historically black colleges and give these messages, does that give you hope for the party maybe adopting some of the tactics that are being established on the local level for a more federal-like campaign? I think that's a two-way street, Sonny, um, something you wouldn't know about me, but I used to teach at North Carolina A&T. And uh, last year, the year before, when I was working with Bill Randall's congressional campaign, I got a chance to go with him to a forum back on the campus. And uh, and for me, it was going back to very familiar territory. And there was actually an NC A&T party on the campus. These are young black conservatives that are banding together on their campus to to reinforce each other and provide that mutual support so they don't stand out alone as individuals. And I, I think that's one of the most wonderful things that's happening, and that's why I said it's a two-way street. It's not just our message. It's us being in tune to what's happening on the other side so that we craft that message appropriately and that we capitalize on their interests, their concerns, their fears, for what their future is going to hold. Now, you know, people are already feeling the effects of Obamacare that was sold as the greatest thing since sliced bread, and yet people are are being cut back from full-time to part-time so the employer doesn't have to pay the penalties and fees. So there's not only less money going into the coffers to pay for that insurance, there's less money going home in the paycheck. And there's even less money, uh, or the guy's got to go get a second or third job to continue to support his family the way he has been, or the lady. I mean, and look at what that does to a single mother. You know, we are in a prime position right now to capitalize on these disaffected conservative Democrats. My parents were both conservative Democrats. 
They had always been a Democrat, and the children of people like that tend to stay Democrat simply because it's the way it's always been. But as they're questioning now, because they tried to take God out of the platform at their convention in Charlotte last year, they're looking for a new home. And I know they're not going to run out and register to be Republicans, but it's getting them to acknowledge that conservative kinship that we have in those shared values that will eventually build those relationships for conservative victories. Now, the elections this coming fall are mostly local, nonpartisan, city council, county commissioners, school board, things of that nature. The split is going to be liberal-conservative more than it is Republican and Democrat. And this is a prime opportunity for us to ally with those conservatives out there in the field here in North Carolina and build those relationships that will then give us that majority we need in 2014. And that's not being presumptive. I base that on what happened last May because the biggest victory in North Carolina was not in November. It was the victory for that marriage amendment in May when people voted, more than 60% of the electorate voted in favor of that marriage amendment. That's the conservative base in North Carolina, and that was far more than just Republicans and Tea Party people. That was independents. That was uh, conservative Democrats even, and it crossed all gender, racial, and socioeconomic lines. That's the conservative base we appeal to. Pandering to the 5% of the libertarians is not going to buy us anything, especially when that drives conservatives away. The numbers are on the side of conservatism. Why? Because it's what has always driven this country. We were founded by conservatives when you look at the shared values between us. Explain your definition of conservative. What, is, what, what, is, what, what do you see as the definition of conservative? For me, a conservative who is a person who believes in the original founding principles of this republic that we are one nation under God, that our Constitution is the highest of man's law, but even that falls beneath those laws of nature and of nature's God that were mentioned in the Declaration of Independence. We know that there is a moral compass for this nation that gives us that definition of right and wrong. It's the basis for judging whether our laws are appropriate or not. Because laws themselves can never do that, because then we are living solely according to the laws of man. And then it becomes just a matter of one man's opinion over another. And uh, and I notice there's a one word in the preamble to our Constitution that really strikes me. What's in the that? preamble when it says that the purpose is to form a more perfect union. It doesn't mention God, but where does that standard of perfection come from if it is not God. Mm. Definitely ain't come from man because our founders knew better. <laughs> well, that's right. better too. Wrote better. Make and so listen. The, yeah, Go ahead. I, I definitely want you to finish your thought. Go ahead, sorry. Well, my the whole thing is my election platform, um, if I can throw it out there, my website is www.electmajordave.com. You know, Getz is one of those last names commonly misspelled and mispronounced, so it's easier just to be known as Major Dave. And uh, that's what everybody <laughs> knows me out there in the field anyway. Um, but on that, you will see my campaign logo. It's big red numeral one, and it has four words on it. God, nation, party, and platform. Party, platform. Yeah. One God, like that. one nation, 
one party, one platform. We are not the United Nations. The Republican Party is not the United Nations where everybody with a political opinion gets to come to the table. That's why we have a platform. We just need to stand behind it, and everything Sonny has mentioned is in that platform. And that goes back to restoring that confidence in the minds of the public that our elected officials will, in fact, take that firm stance. I know it's inconvenient. I know the conversations make people uncomfortable, but we have to have them because it's the only way this nation is going to survive. Back in the Revolutionary War, when Washington crossed the Delaware, when we defeated the British, every measure of war was against the colonial army. They were fighting barefoot in the snow, and yet these men would not walk away from that battlefield. They had nothing left to do but pray, but pray they did, and they won. The Declaration speaks in two different places, and I I want to read it to you right quick. Um, It says, you know, we therefore, the representatives of the United States of America, General Congress assembled, appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions, a clear reference to an almighty being. And at the very last sentence, and for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledged each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Now, that tells me that they had every expectation that God would play an ongoing role in our affairs, They were depending on his divine providence over us. And we can change our laws any way we want to, but it doesn't change his. only thing it changes is whether or not he looks down upon us with favor. And I think that is the message that still appeals to the broadest section of the American people. And that is what we have to stick with. And just as you were talking in the first hour about your witnesses and talking to the crackheads and having that thing – be honest with them. You'll get honest answers if people okay. believe you're being honest with them. Well, and that, that is. Let's, let's, go ahead, Sonny, sorry. No, I just said that's the truth. That's definitely the truth. And, and when we talk about honesty, it's, 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 it's something that's going on here that uh, I'm going to bring up that is probably a little bit uncomfortable being that, you know, you're running a race to actually win. And in winning that race, that means you'll have to beat some friends of yours, you know, some people that you're probably very fond of. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, me me just paying attention to North Carolina politics, I've seen where Glenn, shout out to Glenn Bradley too, by the way, at Glenn Bradley on Twitter, I've seen where Glenn basically has said that, you know, he's the front runner of this thing. You know, right now he pretty much has this thing wrapped up. So, right. I, listen, I don't I don't know if that's true. Okay, first of all, I don't know if that's true. I, I respect what Glenn said. But I, I haven't done any math. I haven't talked to many delegates. I have talked to some in confidence. But my question to you is, Major Dave, what would you say to the folks that are going to vote for you, for Glenn, for Joyce, for Marcus? You know, what would you say to them to make them sway your way? What would you say to them to let them know that, hey, I'm your guy, I'm going to do what needs to be done, and I'm going to do exactly what has to be done to rectify where we have lost. Because, you know, let's face it, on the right, we have lost some folks. You know, some people have left the party completely. So what would you say to those people to solidify your spot, to let them know that you are the guy? Well, quite frankly, the history of these elections at our conventions 
often come down to that moment on the floor when nominations are made. Um, you know, there'll be people out there on the floor cutting deals, I'm sure, and um, the point is you got four good people running. You know, I don't know that the party's really going to lose. Either way. Mm-hmm. I have the one thing that none of the other candidates have, and that is national-level executive experience working at the Pentagon in the military and dealing with all wow. 54 states and territories and writing policies that had to be as effective on Guam or in Rhode Island as it did in New York, Texas, or California. And there's a big difference. And trust me, the 100 counties here in North Carolina are no different in their people and their politics. You don't go door-to-door up in the mountains like you do down here in the flatlands. You know, in these smaller counties, don't waste your money putting in a phone center. You can knock on everybody's door faster. And we've proven that this last time. They put one in Chowan County down in Edenton, and they yanked it two weeks later because they weren't making enough phone calls. Well, that's because people in Chowan County don't like to get political phone calls, and they darn sure don't like to make them. It's just not the way politics is done in that area. And so my focus is on empowering those counties to do what they do best, not just leave them alone to do whatever, but work with them to make sure first, as I said, that they have a plan to win. You can do the numbers count. You can tell how many votes it's going to take for any candidate to win in any area. And then what are you going to have to do to convince that many people to vote for them? We know that there are a lot of other ways to get our message out there now, especially with social media. But And as Sonny was kind of alluding to, drawing in that youth vote in the younger crowd. Well, you know, I went down to Chowan. I made two commercials for Ed Goodwin and put them up on YouTube. All it took me was a tank of gas to drive down there because I've got an HD video camera, and it doesn't cost a lot of money. You can pick them up Best Buy now for two, three hundred bucks. A couple of, um, you know, a little software package to do a little editing, and bam, you've got a commercial. You used to have to pay thousands of dollars to a TV yeah. studio to, to do these things. You don't have to do that anymore, and it's what the kids love to do. They are creative. They are brilliant, and it's a resource that we are not yet tapping. Uh, especially in these local races this fall, because these local candidates generally don't raise a lot of money. So we've got to get creative in what we can do to get our message out there. And so to me, that's a win-win all the way around. Those are the kind of ideas I want to bring to the position. Again, you know, I'm not I'm not interested in trying this big tent idea of bringing in, <laughs> you know, the, the libertarians and everybody else under the Republican umbrella because that's only going to be a lose-lose for everybody, because we're going to lose our identity of who we are. We are fiscal and social conservatives as Republicans, and we cannot allow anything to trespass on that sovereignty. And that's one thing the liberty people do understand is sovereignty. Individual sovereignty, state sovereignty, national sovereignty. Well, I'm talking about organizational sovereignty. And uh, and what got me concerned was going out to the Republican Liberty Caucus website, and it's www.rlc.org. And they have a statement of principles posted on that website, and they call themselves Republicans. Their statement of principles differs greatly from our adopted platform here in North Carolina. Uh, they're for open borders. They're for legalizing any adult consensual behavior. I, I'm sorry. There, there is no way to reconcile that with the adopted platform here in North Carolina for the Republican Party. It's an area on which we will simply have to disagree. The fact that they call themselves Republicans muddies the water. So I'm mm-hmm. hoping to bring some clarity back, just as Sonny asked me, what does it mean to be a conservative? 
to what it means to be a Republican. Because I know not all conservatives are ever going to be But we want as many of them as possible. And we certainly want them voting for conservative values, principles, and candidates in the polling places this fall and next year. Well, I know I know that you have a, a local race coming, but I'm not in North Carolina. And um, so that's why I keep on, I guess, taking the range out of the questions, and I, and I hate to do that, but I, I just love to hear intelligence speak. Um, we're, oh, right now, we have, we have an uneducated population. And where in some instances we're making a lot of groundwork being able to reach out using social media. But social media also gives people the ability to only follow who they want to follow, to only friend who they want to friend, and to only find information that they want to acknowledge. And I think that it's a lot of ways the same on the conservative side. We both pick our heroes so to speak, and then we 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 bandwagon and we ride whatever our heroes say, and we find ourselves often arguing over situations. So I want to take so take uh, gay marriage off the table, take immigration off the table, and take abortion off the table, which are most of the very social issues. Give me one issue, and I, like I said, I know you're on the state level, but I want to talk about just the conservative platform, Tea Party platform. Overall, what is one issue outside of the social issues that you um, give a lot of credence to if, as far as, well, not outside of the social issues, but of those three, outside of abortion, gay marriage, and illegal immigration? What main issue do you think we need to address in order to, to have a more educated population? Because our founders knew that we couldn't have a population that wasn't dependent upon the creator, but they also knew that our form of government couldn't work if people didn't know their constitution, if people didn't, you know. So what what issue do you think that we could target most that would bring an educational aspect of the policy and the platform to an educated populace? Going back to what you all were talking about in the first hour, about waiting on God. Um, I want to try to make a connection with that because I thought about this at the time you were talking about it. The one issue for me among the three primary or four of the Tea Party, limited government, lower taxes, personal responsibility, and free markets, for me would be personal responsibility. It all comes back to our own individual behavior in our personal lives. You know, you were saying about waiting on God. Well, I agree with what you said because sometimes you do have to step forward in faith. People need to take charge of their own lives. The limited government that was defined in our Constitution is only possible when people effectively manage their own lives. When they don't, government steps in to fill the void. It always has. Uh, Second President John Adams said, you know, our Constitution is suited only for a moral and religious people. And why is that so? Because people who self-regulate, who self-discipline, don't need government to manage their lives. This is where we have built government into the new golden calf 
We've turned away from God, and they now mm-hmm. worship at the altar of government for the. Hold on, repeat that. I'm sorry. Repeat that one more time. <laughs> repeat that just one more time for me. Uh, what the part about worshiping the golden calf? Yes, please. I people need to be responsible and take charge of their own lives. <laughs> it is their self-regulation and their self-discipline that drives the possibility of limited government. Because if they don't manage their lives effectively, government steps in. And the more government has stepped in, the more it has become the new golden calf for the lost people wandering in the desert. And this is why you should go to a tea party, people. This is what you hear when you go to a tea party. And, um, I love it. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Just saying what's on my heart, but my concern is that God is losing patience with us because we do depend on him to look upon us with favor. He has brought us through numerous wars. He has seen us through all manner of natural calamities in this country. And still, in little more than 200 years, we have come from nothing into being the greatest nation this world has ever seen. We did not do it without God. And I know my atheist friends disagree with that, but we are founded on the basis of God-given rights. It's in our founding documents, and it is our birthright as Americans. We can choose to step aside from it or to ignore it or to deny it, but it doesn't change it. Oh, you, 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 so um, you one of them American exceptionalist people, huh? You... (laughs) Without a doubt, I'm proud to be an American, I'm proud to be a Republican, and I'm going to strive to make the brand name a Republican a badge of honor, not a badge of shame, because people throw it back at me, Pudgy knows I'm on Facebook all the time having these conversations with people of all types, and I get accused, well, who are you to judge other people? No, I'm not the judge. The law has already been made, but make no mistake, we are the jury. It is what sustains that moral compass in guiding this country what each and every one of us in each succeeding generation believes and it is what keeps us on course and deserving of his blessing of those unalienable rights wow Six I know right don't it make you feel good <laughs> don't it make you feel good I'm, just, I'm telling you thank you I, I just, oh my goodness, thank you. You don't even know. You just delivered some, some much needed. I don't. I talk to a lot of politicians, and I've met quite a few big name, you know, politicians. And mm-hmm. I, I, I must admit, I have, not, I have not had a quality conversation with someone who's jumped in the political arena like the conversation that we've had tonight. So I appreciate you coming on, and I appreciate you sharing your time with us, and I appreciate your intelligence and your humility, and I hope good things, nothing but good things come in in the election for you. Well, thank you so much, because the last thing I want to do is start looking, sounding, and acting like a politician. (laughs) Let's go to a caller real quick. Six one nine six three eight eight five five nine. Go into a caller out of the eight 
1-800-646-1828. Maybe he wants to speak to Mace Dave. Maybe they have a comment in general. I don't know. You're on the air live with Pudgy. Last three digits, 117. Pudgy, Sonny, and Major Dave. What's up? How are you? 828, you got a comment you want to make? You must have hit one by accident. Hi. Maybe not. Hey, how are you? Hello. Hello, is this Pudgy? Hi, Pudgy. This- How you doing? This is uh, this is Jane Belolo. Um, I am the um, the I Caucus North Carolina uh, State Director, and oh. I'm also the chair of the Asheville Tea Party uh, here in Asheville, North Carolina. And uh, as I Caucus State Director, we have something like 20 affiliate groups across the state. And these people that Major Dave talks about, he talks about how grateful he is for the Tea Party. These are Tea Party people that are Republicans in these I caucus groups. And these are the folks that are asking him, they asked him twice to step up. He was given two invitations to step up to the I caucus process that all we are doing is asking for commitments for limited government fiscal responsibility, adherence to constitutional, a constitutionally limited uh, a government, uh, and representation of we the people, all right? And twice he has turned us down, and, uh, it, 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 and, and folks, these ICOCUS affiliate group leaders are asking over and over again, why is he walking away from us? These are Republicans who will be at the Republican convention voting for him. They're <coughs> libertarians. They're not unaffiliated voters. These are Republicans. And, and I caucus, if you don't know what they are, they are a national organization. They are nonpartisan. And all I caucus does is give us the tools by which we the people can have a citizen-led interview of candidates at every single level, starting at the local level and going right up to the federal level. We've been incredibly successful at getting people elected. And he has turned us down twice. Well, Major Dave, uh, would you like to address that here live on the air? We have millions of people listening, and um, you know, this, maybe this is the place. I'm more than happy to. Um, It was not a quick decision, but it is one that I believe is sound and in the best interest of the party, because as you Uh just heard her say, these are Republican people. And then she turned around and described her organization as nonpartisan. They are not a part of the Republican Party. No, we, it's a nonpartisan organization. People that are asking you to step up are Republicans. Well, let, let's let's do this, okay, Major Dave. Let let me ask you to speaking for the I caucus because I, I'm I'm going to do them some justice here too, and I would like to do you some justice here as well. If you could speak to those Republicans who are, are part of the I caucus state group that want you to answer their questions, you know, what would you say to them? You know, how can you address those individuals? Very easily. The problem that I have with the I-Caucus vetting process is because it deals only with the constitutional and fiscal issues. They stated very clearly up front they were not going to delve into the social issues at all. And on that basis, they can equally endorse a conservative Republican and a libertarian who both believe in smaller government, lower taxes, personal 
personal responsibility, free markets, and all the other areas that they explore and uh-huh. endorse them equally. And that in no way clarifies who is best qualified to lead the Republican Party. They are entitled to their opinion and to express it publicly, and I don't challenge that at all. But to right. imply that some external group should have any public say beyond a mere statement of endorsement as to who is best suited to lead the Republican Party is a trespass on the sovereignty of that party to decide for itself those delegates who is best qualified to serve in those positions. There are many ways these delegates can vet them. And if anybody has a concern about my oath to the Constitution, I am the only one of the four candidates running for vice chair who is still bound to my oath to the Constitution. They may all feel a moral obligation to it, but I also have a legal obligation as a retired major in the Army Reserve, retired reserves, that I am still legally bound to, subject to recall to active duty, and trial by court-martial if I violate it. Wow. So I, I don't I think, think I need to say anything else beyond that about my oath to the Constitution. i tell you one thing that I, that I would like to do, Major Davis, is, is something that is just coming up to me. I'd like to have a public debate right here on the KRP radio show with uh, all four candidates. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to reach out to iCaucus and get some of their questions and I'm going to reach out to other groups, and I'm going to reach out to all candidates, yourself included. And I'd like to have a public uh, 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 debate right here on the KRP Radio Show where you can do it from the comfort of your home. Not sure if we're going to be able to do it live, but we'll see what we can do. Thank you today for coming on the show. we got like 20 seconds. Sorry, i got to end it. I know we had another call, which I'm going to take in the bonus hour. So if you guys are listening to the show, continue to listen. Some folks are going to drop off. Major Dave, uh, will we have you for another 20, 30 minutes? Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, I just want to say we just had a candidate forum last Thursday night up in Statesville, and the video is on YouTube, the whole thing unedited, and you can see it on my YouTube channel, which is simply Major Dave NC. Major Dave NC on YouTube. Check that out. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the KRP Radio Show. Some of you guys I'm going to lose. Most folks on the East Coast, we're going to keep. You guys keep rocking with us in the bonus hour right now. Welcome to the bonus hour of the KRP Radio Show. Still on with Major Dave. We're going to take another call out of the 336. Last three digits is uh, 897. You're on the air with Pudgy, Major Dave, and Sonny Johnson. How are you? Uh, hey, how's it going? Going very well, sir. How are you? Uh, pretty good. I had a question for uh, Major Dave uh, about about his experiences with uh, grassroots groups, and I just kind of wanted to talk about that, um, just kind of like compared to other candidates, what kind of experiences he have? Well, for the last three years, well, actually starting three years ago, my wife and I hosted a luncheon here in Wake Forest, and we invited about 40 of the Tea Party leaders from around the group that I'd gotten to know on Facebook and whatnot to get them all to the table to try to bring some unity because I wasn't seeing a whole lot back then. And, again, we're talking 2010, so, you know, it was still kind of in the early stages. And at least 10 of them immediately told me, well, you're foolish, you're naive, it's been tried, it's never worked. But ours did work, and the reason it worked was because I said, I'm not offering you a plan. I'm trying to put the right heads around the table to come up with a plan. They immediately became invested in the outcome. The meeting lasted over three hours, and and it was great. It formed a lot of good relationships between leaders. And then I followed that up the next month with a candidate 
uh, dinner up in Burlington, and I had Dan Forrest and Tony Gurley and Bill Randall and Vernon Robinson and all the other candidates that were going to be running for office in the next cycle. And we talked about the grassroots movement and the importance of it. And my advice to them then was, between now and January, when you formally announce and start your campaigns, don't worry about your campaign. Go out and invest in these local races, just like we've got coming this this fall. And I encourage the candidates that are thinking about running next year to do the same thing. Go out, work to get the conservatives elected in the local areas, and when you start your campaign, you'll have your base. You'll have your supporters and your volunteers already in your court because you paid your dues on the ground. You've invested in them. They'll invest in you. I spent the next three years traveling whenever I was asked, often volunteering, my sound system, my camera, from one end of the state to the other, supporting Tea Party and conservative groups, helping them put on their rallies, put on their shows at no cost. I've never made a penny off of it. And and Lord knows it's, it's been tens of thousands of dollars worth of value that I've donated to them to advance what they do. And I was always wearing my hat with my little elephant on it that says, get involved, because the Republican Party needs to be involved in what the grassroots is doing. And I have given it 110% that I could in every way possible to support what they do. All right. Thank you, Major Dave. appreciate sure. your answer. Uh-huh. So, listen, Major Dave, okay. And, Pudgy, you uh, know, Coach, you've been out there with me. Oh, yeah, I've been rocking, man. I've been seeing you about everywhere I go. You're basically out there. (laughs) And, um, you know, I appreciate everything you do. You know, for what I'm seeing and what I'm learning, because I'm still learning, and I'm a baby in this game, man, and I'm I'm learning a lot about Joyce here. It sounds like she's an exceptional woman, and I can't wait to talk to her as well. But, you know, it sounds like what you said earlier, Major Dave, is that we have – a bunch of great people with great ideas who are very passionate about uh, what's going on here in North Carolina and, and how they can help. And it seems that all of you guys, from where I sit, and, you know, this is just my opinion. I'm, I'm no professional at this. This is just my opinion. But it seems like from where I sit, we got a bunch of people who are who are willing to do the work and able to do the work and will do a great job at the work. I still think that there's an ultimate confliction uh, with somewhere grassroots tea party uh, uh traditional republicans or or what some would like to call establishment republicans and what may have you so i don't know what's going to happen there I, firmly I, I frankly i think that it will be i think it's going to be some sort of divide and uh mm-hmm. I, I don't know how we're going to work it out because you know i've talked to some people major dave who has left the party okay and i'm sure you yeah. know of people mm-hmm. who has left the party as well and some folks are going, you know, they're, they're leaving the party and they're going nowhere. They're just becoming independents and they're kind of sitting back and they're not doing anything. But there are a lot of people who are sitting, waiting, and trying to see what's going to happen in the leadership roles. So in right. asking you that, and, and you're going to be, you, let's say, let's take for granted you win, okay? You win, you're the vice mm-hmm. chair. How would your job play a role in benefiting North Carolina? Uh, I'm sorry, how would the chairman's job play a role in benefiting North Carolina with you at the vice chair at, at his right side, you know, is the election of, you know, any particular candidate, would that be best for North Carolina? Do you have anybody that you're hoping that will win the chairman position or are you pretty much okay with whoever wins? Oh, I'm, I'm okay with whoever wins. I know both of them. 
Um, and I, I do have a personal opinion on which one I think is better, but I'm not going to express it because it, it brings a dimension of the campaign that doesn't need to be there. Uh, my point is I can work equally well with either one of them, and I believe either one of them could work equally well with me. Um, but my background in managing organizations at the level that I have really gives me that depth of background in the synergy between the administration, the logistics, the communications, and the operations. Um, that's the way we break it down in the military. But those same functions are present in a political party or whether it's a company um, in, in everything that you do. And I believe that my ability to take that on and run it with a minimum of supervision frees up that state chair to work on the other areas that they focus on, like the fundraising and the message and being the public spokesman for the party. But I want people to know that I am willing to also be that spokesman for the party, for those values in the platform, and can sell that message convincingly. Because I do want to recruit on that basis. So, I mean, I'm sure you do, you know. Oh, no, I was I, I was trying to be quiet because I almost jumped out of my chair. <laughs> so, I almost jumped out of my Very chair good. because you never hear a politician say what I just heard. So, I, I want to repeat it because I think that for too often, the important stuff gets overlooked when we start thinking about the bickering. You said... Not to go in front of a group with a plan, but instead to go in front of that group and say, okay, now you tell me what the plan should be. That's right. What is so difficult about that that other politicians cannot understand? And this is this point of why I bring that up. You, we need to get people engaged, and like you said, in our local elections, in our local politics. Mm-hmm. Most of these races are won by 100, 150, 200 votes, depending on the county, right? Right. And, and so you have very few people deciding actually who the candidate is to start with. But for the its sake of engagement, how important is it that you go to these communities, every community, and actually tell them that... It is not just the job of government to tell you what to do. It is the job of government to listen. And as a citizen, your job is not just to follow the law, but it is to become a participant in shaping it and forming it. How important is it to get the population back into the process of, you know, not just showing up on voting day, but the entire process from understanding what um, legislation needs to be passed, what legislation needs to be talked about, what um, what are the major problems, what budget shortcuts can be cut, I mean, what budget things can be cut as opposed to what needs to be saved or improved or increased. How do you get huh? the public back to the place where they are giving you the suggestions for how to solve these problems. So like you said, they feel like they are now a part. They have an investment in in actually governing, that they are not just to be governed, that they are supposed to be a part of the governing process. This can tie numerous things in together because the Tea Party is a good part of that. These are citizens 
getting involved in the political process, irrespective of party label. They identify themselves behind a set of values that identify them as Tea Party, and that's great. And they go and they petition and they protest and they march and they call and they send emails. What is happening from my perspective is that the political body is not used to this level of citizen involvement. They don't know what to make of it. And, and, and I can understand it. Social media has driven this, especially Facebook here in North Carolina, because that's how so many of them connect with each other. And even some of the, the politicians, like Speaker Tillis, uh, Representative Brawley out of Iredell County, they have their own Facebook pages, and they aren't run by a staffer. They read and they post themselves, and they can't keep up with it as much as we do. But by goodness, when you post and you get an answer, it's from them, and it's real and it's live. And so that kind of metamorphosis, if you will, is taking place in how we have these discussions. And there's going to be some friction, but it'll take another year or two, I, I believe, to, to sort this out. Uh, we're seeing pages created, legislative review, that post every day what legislation is up before the, the North Carolina General Assembly. Who's voting on what? What committee hearings? Uh, so that if you want to go attend and weigh in and speak your voice, you can do that. Most people don't know that. They're not taught that in schools. They're not taught what it takes to actually get a bill drafted, get it through committee, get it heard, reported back to the floor, voted on. In North Carolina, you have to have it read three times and voted on three times before it passes any one house. Then it goes to the other house, and it has to be go through a similar process. Well, it doesn't go through the drafting process, but they have to do the reading and the voting on it. And then if both houses pass it and agree, well, then it goes to the governor for signature, and it becomes law. And it's, a, it's an extensive process, and it is slow, and it is cumbersome. But the founders created it that way so that somebody with ill intentions could not just ramrod something through, and we'd be stuck with it. Obamacare. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people, people don't realize that for most of the history of this country, the primary medical provider was not a licensed physician. It was the mother. <laughs> Always. <laughs> right. So, so maybe that, that, that's a topic for another show, though. <laughs> it, it is. It is. Oh my God, it is. I, I think. I think you we let Sunny just on go one. on that one. I'd sit back yeah. and shut up and just let her hold that because she'll handle that. <laughs> that would be crazy. Hey, I'm see. telling you, boy. You know where where were the doctors and clinics on the covered wagons headed Man. west? You know, if healthcare was a right. Man, let's don't do that. Let's let's yeah. don't do that. Well, okay, yeah. listen. Let's go. Let's let's go back because that's. That's a hot button. Well, you know, okay. and what, what Sonny was saying, though, I, I have already begun my campaign as if I were going to win because if I win, I want to hit the ground running. I picked my county conventions that I went to, not just the ones with the biggest number of delegate votes, but the ones where I thought some of the problems really lay. And, and for example, I went to Edgecombe County, east of Raleigh here, down in Tarboro, and only 16 people attended the county convention. Wow. And, and I'm, not, I'm not picking on Edgecombe County because people said, my God, that's terrible. I said, no, I found 16 people who haven't given up. They are in a traditionally Democratic-controlled county. 
You know, can it we took re- us 140 years to, to get victories here at the state level. In some of those local races, the people are even tighter knit, and it's going to take a while to break through that. But they haven't given up. They need our help and our support, and that's what we need to be giving them. We may not win the first time out of the shoot, but we need to build them up to where they can be competitive again in their marketplace with what works in their county, not some one-size-fits-all cookie-cutter solution to get shoved down from the state. <laughs> Major Dave, how are people receiving you in, in your message and your, your platform? Your platform says uh, God, Nation, Party, and Platform. It has a one and said one nation, one God, one party, one platform. And I get that. Right. That sounds really simple, sounds easy. I think people should understand that fairly well, and I, I think they should receive it fairly well. But how are people receiving you from where you stand? What kind of support do you think you have out there? Very well. I get plenty of uh, positive feedback everywhere I go. Um, I get a very small band of um, libertarian-leaning people, shall we say, um, that are totally against me, and that's fine. Um, one of the reasons that I believe Joyce and Marcus and, and Glenn and I all have such a good relationship, I believe we all appreciate the fact that no matter the outcome of this election, come October, we're all working together to get Republicans elected. And next year it will be a different slate of candidates, and we'll divide up along different lines, and we'll beat each other up, and we'll have our debates, and somebody will get elected, and then lo and behold in 2016 we'll do it all over again. <laughs> but you don't become lifetime enemies over something like this. If you do, you got an ego problem, and you don't need to like be involved that. in politics. I, I, I and like and I'll, that. Say it, I I'll say it just that plain and clear. Well, I think it's real important that you made the point early in the show that, you know, you appreciate everybody who has jumped in and, and wants to win this position so they can do well. And I think that's the important part for North Carolina and I think it's important that you put that out there, that all of you guys put that out there, that, hey, you know what, we're all in the race because we want to do right for North Carolina, and we're going to do right by the people. And, and you know, if if we don't get to hear that, you know, us regular folks out here, as I call it, right. us regular folks that's doing that video, you know, if we don't get to hear that and, and know that you guys believe that, you know, we're left with nothing because a lot of times people don't know what a vice chair does. People don't know, even know that a – that there is a GOP vice chair. So right. I, I guess and this will be one of my questions if, if you all decided to have a, a friendly, nice, informational uh, debate here on KRP Radio Show. But I would ask all you guys, how will you be visible to the public? Because, for, and the reason I ask this is because from where I sit, I always saw the vice chair being the mouthpiece mouthpiece for the GOP. You know, the the chairman is somewhat the media piece, but the vice chair was always the hand-to-hand mouthpiece for, you know, regular folks. You go around to different places and say, hey, I'm the vice chair of the Republican Party, you know, blah, 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 blah. Here's the spill. Here's the platform. Here's what we do. So how will how you be vis- visible, Major Dave? How are you going to be different from Let's say uh, 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 Tim Johnson. How are you going to be different from, uh, 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 yeah, Tim Johnson? I, I think that's fair. I, you know, I know so little about what he did as vice chair because he was pretty much going out as I was coming in. Um, again, I've only really been involved in politics in three years, and to the extent that I have a, a statewide reputation, I built it in that short period of time. And I did it by being out there on the ground supporting the the effort, doing what needed to be done. 
And the great thing is, if I don't win, I get to keep doing exactly what I've been doing for the last three years. <laughs> I didn't do all of that to be able to run for vice chair. Yeah. But I, I see the opportunity to contribute in an even larger way. And you lead by example, not from behind the desk. And I'm out there in the field. It's where I will be as vice chair helping these counties be successful in what they do and trying to recruit other people with the same skills that I have to bring their assets to bear. Because I know I can't do it all. But we can build that talent base across the state, identifying people with things like cameras and sound equipment that will donate their time. We just need to go out and recruit them, organize it, and bring it to bear on the elections. We, it's a tight economy. You know, people yeah, are not donating. And, and it's not just because they're, they're upset with the party. People just don't have the money. But there are other right. ways that they can contribute, and we need to offer them that opportunity and take advantage of it at every chance. <clears throat> so they'll see me out there in the field. I, I, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm actually I'm trying to put together a Constitution Day rally down here in the Raleigh area for September. Kevin Chenault, you know, does the big thing up in Jomioki, and I supported that last year. And uh, he's going to do his on Saturday. I'm going to try to do mine on Sunday so that Jan Morgan, and uh, she's already agreed to do it, um, if we can work out all the logistics, and then have it down here so that more people can participate in Constitution Day activities without having to drive all the way up to the northwest corner of North Carolina. You know, it's great that they do it up there, and I don't want to take anything away from them. But if we can do it the following day and bring even more people into it, one, there's a minimum cost because she's already in the state, so all we've got to do is, you know, just get her down here to Raleigh. We can share that cost. I don't have a problem with that. Right. But I think in, in spreading that message to even more and more people and, and even getting the county GOPs to do something in their area on Constitution Day, that it, those things don't cost a whole lot of money. And I know these people can do it because they have barbecue fundraisers and stuff for every possible charity you can think of under the sun throughout the year. And while they can't do something for something that means so much to the very founding roots of this country, just boggles the mind. Shout out. Let's give it a shout out, too. I just want to take a second and give a shout out. Excuse me. Day Tea Party Rally at uh, Joe Miyoki. Um, shout out to Kevin Chenault, man, and these guys are doing the B.I.G. So September 28th this year is uh, when it's going to be. It's going to be in Joe Miyoki, right up there in the mountains of North Carolina. Uh, wonderful experience, folks. I will definitely be in the house. Hope you guys will be in the house, and, and hopefully, you know, Major Dave will get Jan Morgan, who will be the keynote this year, I imagine, again. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can get her over uh, in, in your area and, and bring her to more North Carolinians, man, and, and make this Constitution Day or weekend uh, a, a historic event. So I think we had a great time last year. So definitely B.I.G. shout out to the uh, Surrey County Tea Party and those guys. And well, I'm going to get shout my good friend uh, C.L. Bryant down here. Beautiful. I, I want to try to get Reverend Bryant to come to ours, too, because he has yeah, a powerful he, message. We got to give a shout out to C.L., man. That's it's pretty cool. He wears them boots like my granddaddy that I like to wear too. Anyway, well, <laughs> I'm gonna have to cut out, but I want to say that I have had this has been a pleasurable experience. I've had a wonderful time talking to you, uh, Major Dave. That's so Thank funny. You, I, it's like to even call just you that name is 
it's just funny. But it's been fun talking to you, and I definitely well, will pray on you and pray on your campaign and for all of North Carolina. For whatever choice North Carolina makes, you know, I'm not a part of the state, so, you know, I hope I hope they make the best choice for them. Well, and if I you're looking up on Facebook, Sonny, just, just link up with me as Major Dave. Just look up Major Dave on Facebook. I'd love to link up with you. All right, I will do, but I just, I really want to let you know that I've had a lot of a lot of fun just listening to you tonight and that is I mean just to hear a politician say that God, a part don't call of, me that please don't call me that the that part of the solution <laughs> is to actually let people help in the legislative process I have been saying that till I've been blue in the face and to actually hear someone else say it you know, oh, my gosh, it's just so refreshing. So I just want to say thank you again for coming on. Thank you for sharing your time with us, and especially. And I thank you. I thank you for sharing the first hour and everything that you shared in that, too. I appreciate that so much. But I will make sure I, I connect with you and keep in touch with you. And, and like I said, I'll keep prayers on you and your campaign and all in North Carolina for that. Thank you so much. And Have Brock, a blessed week. And for having me on for the night. I appreciate it. Come on, man. You just as much as this as, as I am. And, uh, Sonny, we had to change the topic for next week, so the floor is yours. Hit me up. Let me know what we're going to do for next week. And, folks, be looking for Sonny Johnson to do something B.I.G. next week, man. Not me. I'm just going to be co-hosting. Then, then week, let so. me tease it if I get the pick. Yeah, I can tease it now. Please do. <laughs> then the next week, we're going to be doing the Criminal Alphabet Boys. <laughs> Oh, okay, God. and and I think it's going to be fun. But we have we have we have three groups that we can talk about: uh, KKK, um, oh. the MS um, MSB Muslim Suicide Bombers, and the BMWs, which is a phrase that I borrowed from Le- um, from Larry Elder, which is the bitch moaners and whiners. So, yeah, those are those are the three groups that we're gonna call them the alphabet the alphabet boys of crime and there you go tease for next week shout out I love I'll it be man. alphabet boys that's gonna be big thanks Sonny folks you're listening to the bonus hour of the KIRP radio show with your host Pudgy at NC Pudgy on Twitter at KIRP radio show on Twitter uh, www.facebook dot com backslash KRP radio show. Make sure you like that. Leave a comment. Let me know what you think. We're going to have a major day, folks. If you missed the first half of the show, in about 30 minutes, you'll be able to check us out on KIRP radio show dot com. Got to give another BIG shout out to Love and Father Society, man. We got those t-shirts. Shout out to I Love Being a Black Father. That's our first initiative. That's the first thing we're going to tackle. Who knows what it'll be next? It'll probably be next. I'll be I love being a white father. See, we ain't scared, Major Dave, around here, man. We ain't. We know there's mm-hmm. some proud white, black, Chinese, Latin, call it what you want. There's some proud fathers out here, and I, I think this country. See, this country used to be proud of fatherhood, right? No Maybe. matter what race, this this country used to be proud of fatherhood, but now with so many uh, uh, entities that's getting in the way of the traditional family. That I felt the need. No, I, I can't say that. I, I was blessed with the need and understanding that we had to do something different to address what's going on. So that's where the the belief of a, a needed organization like the Loving Father Society and our first initiative being obviously I love being a black father. Rashad and I are both black Americans, 
and uh, we both have kids, and we're both loving fathers, and we, we play the role, and we do it well. And not to our own home, but it's part of the responsibility that we have to carry, and those are things that we have to do. So in doing that, we go out and talk to different groups and different people, and we help counsel and help lead people in different ways. And, you know, man, you, you never know the need until you get involved. And this is where you are, I think. And uh, this is where Joyce is, and this is where uh, uh, Glenn is, and this is where Marcus is. Like, you guys didn't realize, or, or maybe you did, but when you got involved, then you knew exactly what needed to be done. And I think a lot of North, I think a lot of North Carolinians don't understand what needs to be done because you, when, when you're on the outside and you just hear people talk and you only depend on the news to deliver what's really going on, you get a false premise of what's really happening. You don't really understand that you're needed more than just the news media. Like, you're needed right. to get up and start going to some of these county conventions. You're needed to vote. You're needed to speak out. You're needed to walk the halls of the General Assembly. So here you guys are, and you're all running for a position where you're needed. So somehow, I think that there has to be a better connection at where you guys are trying to get and where the rest of North Carolina is. And the rest of North Carolina, and I know I've said it twice before, and I've asked the questions a couple of times tonight, but the rest of North Carolina don't know about a GOP vice chairman. They don't know. I promise you they don't know. Sure. And if you went to visit a school, they would have no clue what a GOP vice chairman did. So I think ultimately what it boils down to is a plan on on on, on exposure. You know, I, I would love to know, and, and not right now, I'm just kind of speaking freely, if you will, but I would love to know, you know, how – uh, the GOP, I don't know what the Democrat Party is going to do, and I'll address them too. I'll, I'll write an open letter to them. But somehow there has to be a, a, a better understanding um, for regular folks to know what's really going on in their party. You know, I'm, I'm not just saying this for GOP. Now, I'm not just saying this for Republicans. I'm saying this for any, both parties, any party, all parties, what do you want to call it, whatever you want to call it. I think that you really have to take it serious. And understand that people don't know what you do. They don't know why you exist, so they don't care. Right. It's easy not to care when you just don't know something exists. I mean, you, you're just not, you're not educated on the fact that something like this exists. So people don't know about a vice chair. So they can't, you know, they can't become delegates. They don't even know why it's important to become a delegate or how to do so. So that's I, true. I think and, that's, and that's why and the education is so important. So sure. getting the message, being on shows like yours. And reaching that broader audience, because even though we've been talking about North Carolina tonight, it's the same in all the states and territories. And I know you have a national audience, and people need to understand that they have opportunities to get involved in ways they've never even explored, because they may not know that opportunity is there for them. And so I appreciate you helping us get this message out. And before I forget, shout out to Rashad. Be sure to tell him I said hello. He's listening. Shout out to Rashad. I'm sure he's listening, or, or he'll catch his show in the morning or later or something like that. But well, you guys do the Lord's work up there with your with your organization. As you know, I've supported in the past with your back-to-school efforts and things like that. Yes, sir. And, uh, and that, is, that is a great way of citizens getting involved that only just reaffirms how important the grassroots are. And I think that there is a way that we can build a productive relationships between the, the Republican Party and all of those groups what I call the four C's, communication, coordination, cooperation, and collaboration. 
because the the model that I use, Pudgy, is very simple because it exists in all 100 counties already, and it's called the Chamber of Commerce. And people in business come together every month and sit down at the table, and they work together. And the person in the next chair might even be your competition. But the thing that you can do together using those four C's that enhance everybody's success in what they do. But they don't tell you how to run your business. They don't even tell you what business to be in. They just provide that common forum. And that's what we have to be willing to participate in at all levels across that spectrum of the broader conservative movement. And if we do that, we'll build those productive relationships that will help everybody win. Wow. I love it. And uh, you know what? We're going to re-up with that, man. We're going to... We're gonna go back in, and we're gonna have that event again, the back to school event. And uh, awesome. you know, we we fed, clothed, taught, played with, uh, nail painted, face painted, over five, six hundred, seven hundred kids last year, and, uh, with the help of a lot of you wonderful people out there. So you know, I'll be sending emails on suggestions on what we think we should do. And uh, you know, Rashad has has uh, talked to me, and you know, gave me a set of directions to do. And I'm going to try to carry that out, man, and we're going to try to go back in and, and make that happen again. I love that event, awesome. and, and I'm going to sit in the Duncan booth this year, so maybe we can get there Major Dave in there, too. Hey, hey, Major Dave, final thoughts. You know, we, we've been in this bonus hour. I appreciate everybody for listening, but if you got any final thoughts or maybe something you want to make clear, you know, now's your time to do it. The floor is definitely yours, and uh, you got it. Go for it. Well, I just want to say thanks to everybody for all of their support. Um, I don't have anything against those not supporting me. Um, that's not really a, a big issue with me. I know it's going to come down to that vote on the convention floor, and people have four good candidates to choose from. My hope is that I am seen, if anything uh, – well, let me say it this way. The Liberty Caucus seems to think I'm the establishment candidate. The ca- establishment seems to think I'm the Tea Party candidate, and the Tea Party really doesn't know where I stand. <laughs> And and that is great. It's the best position to be in because, Pudgy, I owe allegiance to no group to the prejudice of another within that. I intend to be the honest broker, and I think people know me to be fair enough and even-tempered enough that I can do that and fulfill that role on behalf of the party to make us at least an equal participant in that broader conservative movement. The Republican Party will never be the leader of the conservative movement, but they can certainly be a leader in that conservative movement. And I think there's a burden on us to reach out to all of those conservatives out there, even if they don't want to adopt our party label and register as Republicans. There's still ways in which we can work together with each other from which all of us are going to ultimately benefit. So I, I thank you for the opportunity to be on the show. It's, it's been a real pleasure, and, and I meant it when I told Sonny. I was so grateful you all took the first hour to talk as you did because it really laid the groundwork for half of what I would planned to say anyway. Wow, I love it. Well, that's on your platform, man. It's one God, and, and that's something we definitely believe on this show. That's something we definitely believe in our real lives. Well, he, he, gets, he gets left out of the conversation too much, especially when you start talking about being a strict constitutionalist and how important the Constitution yeah. is. I don't disagree with that, but I make no apologies that God has to come first. No doubt. It's the only thing that keeps this nation whole. And and people say, well, what, God? You're just trying to establish religion. Well, what would that be? Would it be Jewish or Christian? 
If it's Christian, would it be Catholic or Protestant? If it's Protestant, would it be Baptist, Episcopal, Methodist? You know, <laughs> no. This, this is about the common core values that we all share of that fundamental distinction of right and wrong. And that's what we're standing up for is that moral compass that guides this nation and always has. And that's where I stand. It's been a terrific show. Major Davis definitely came on and did his thing. I apologize for not having an applause tonight. We're going through some tech problems and uh, some upgrading of equipment. But it is what it is. Hey, Major Dave, I have one last question. Sure. I will ask you to go into my the last question for you, sir, is do you have any shout-outs? Do I have any shout-outs? Um, one has to be to my wife. I could not do this without her. Without her support, without her patience and her endurance, I would not be able to do what I do. Family comes first. And I have a daughter, a nurse that lives with us, and two small grandchildren, three and five. Everything I do is about them because I'm concerned for the future that they're going to have, and I truly fear that they will not know the America that you and I grew up in. And I, people that you mentioned that have left the party in frustration, I can't do that because I cannot continue to believe that we can change government and yet give up on changing the party. We wow. can turn the party around, and if we do that, we can turn the country around. To me, that's just being true to my values. I, I, I would be a hypocrite if I felt that I couldn't change the party but still thought I could change government, and I'm just not willing to go there. It's worth it to me. I'm blessed to be retired from the military so I don't have to work a 40-hour job, and I have time to devote to something like this without really hurting my personal life. I'm not sure about the other three. I, I can't speak for them. But I have the time to devote, just like I've been doing to the grassroots for the last three years, and I'm willing to give it even more, and that's why I stepped up to run. Well, Major Dave, thanks for coming on the show. Man, you had a bunch of wild moments tonight, and I really appreciate you. Uh, shout out to Sunny Johnson coming on, at Sunny Johnson on Twitter. Check her out. If you guys missed the first half of the show or the first few hours of the show, a couple hours of the show, make sure you log on in about 30 minutes to the KIRPRadioshow.com. Give us a shout out on Twitter. I also give a shout out to my lovely wife. She's beautiful, even in the ponytail, but she don't believe that. Thank but I love her. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> shout out to we, the we both married well. We both yeah, married man, I, well, didn't we? I upgraded, dude. I, you know, a good looking wife make, and, and a good wife makes you look better. So make me that's look right. Better. Also, shout out to the I Caucus. Shout out to Miss Black Burlington, Tracy B. Love you, baby. Shout out to uh, Lori Barkley and everybody else. SOS Printing, Patriot Printing. I'm sorry, SOS Roadside, Patriot Printing, Love and Father Society. Zambun, congratulations on your win. And shout out to everybody else out there listening to the KIRP radio show. You guys are B-I-G in my book. And I'll catch you guys next week. All right, are we off? Are you still there?
real. <laughs> I want some setup. Love me today, man. He goes hard. It's a good show. We actually called in, and uh, it's beautiful. You know, I love it. I do this. This is why I love this show. This is why I did it all this time. No matter if it's profitable or not. You know, this is where my heart is. I love it. You know, I love it. It makes me feel good. You can bring this kind of conversation to the public. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know, man. Talking to me, whatever. This is why I do this. I love it. 